You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. One of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you red bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 401. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. Leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Leftovers. Uh, Morty, get over here. We gotta do a pop culture leftovers intro. What are you talking about, Rick? I'm really worried. Is our show going off the air? No, of course not, Morty. Don't be an idiot. It's just that... It's just... That show sucks, Rick. Don't worry about that, Morty. Uh, They couldn't even afford the real voice actors, Morty. Anyway... Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, or whatever the fuck we say. And, uh, Plumbus, Mr. Poopy Butthole, Dr. Clip Clop, uh, Rick and Morty stuff. So, <laughs> enjoy this episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. Hope you like shit. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. And I'm sick, Jake. Yeah, that's a shame. I hate being fucking sick. It's an excuse for this episode. I'm going to use that as my excuse as to why this episode's going to suck so fucking bad, Jake. <laughs> what are we going to say about the other 400? What are our excuses for those? I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I was sick for all those two. I don't know. God damn it. I don't know. I'm just letting people know. Like, here's the th- Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to make it. Whatever. You're getting what you're getting. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. And so you're you're just, you're lucky to be getting this. You're lucky to be. <laughs> be grateful, motherfuckers. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I don't. I, you know what? If the episode sucks, it sucks, Jake. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just letting you know. Even if I was well, it would probably suck. But you know, I'm gonna use this as my excuse. This is my get out of get out of jail free card. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's a great crutch. Right? When I'm sick, that's what I blame too. <laughs> oh, I'm so sick. That means I can't podcast and talk good. <laughs> 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 Podcasting not so good when Brian's sick. <laughs> my tum, my tum tum's hurt. My <laughs> the baby talk is a little weird. That's, dude, what if I no? Like, what if that was like what I devolved into when, when I was sick? It's time for Marvel news. My tum tum hurts. What? When, when, when's the new Spider-Man twelve coming out? Ooh, ooh. 
<laughs> yeah, me, me want Toby. <laughs> I want Toby, and Doc Ock should be here taking care of me because I'm sick. <laughs> He'd make a great nurse with all those arms. He would. Oh my gosh! You know he had to use one of those things to jack off, right? A hundo. Hundo. I would I mean, be. I know I would have tried, dude. I would have been strapping like four flashlights on those motherfuckers and just like alternating and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think one is good enough. I don't think I need to. No, dude. You just close your eyes and you just, you're, 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 it's like, uh, yeah, blindfolded. It's like 50 shades of gray. You don't know which fucking one of these flashlights you're going to be banging. That's so, er- <laughs> that's so erotic, isn't it, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> it's not. It's disgusting and perverted. It's just. <laughs> If you were to walk in on someone doing that, if they had Doc Ock's arms and they just had four flashlights hooked up to those fucking things, and they're just alternating those on on their one solo penis, you would just be like, okay, I walked into the wrong fucking room. That's the first thought. Would you be able to look away immediately, though? How long would you stare at that scene, Jake? How long would you look at that? It feels very train wreck. I feel like I'd be 90% horrified, but... 10% 10% impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's hear from our, from our guests this week because we, we got them. All right. We got, we got Neil from Smorgasbord. How's it going, Neil? It's going great. Good to be back on the show talking to you guys. Yeah, man, a regular I, show. I think I, uh, would probably have to stare at that situation for a little while. And I don't know if I could walk away from it. Neil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neil might just start filming it on his phone. Yeah, that's that's the that's a great idea. Honestly, you can make start making some money. Uh, Fans for the flashlight octo arms. <laughs> well, and uh, and we've also uh, we're joined this week by uh, Joe Stark from Starkcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey guys, excited to be here. <laughs> octo flashlight arms. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know how. Yeah, you'd have to stare in morbid curiosity. Be like, this guy's really going off. Yeah. It's like the ultimate stranger. Fuck just sitting on your left hand for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's a a bizarre, bizarre scenario that I've presented to you gentlemen today. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be disappointed when you don't get that in No Way Home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> lower, lower your expectations seeing the movie. Oh, thank you, Kevin Feige. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Kyle Borowski sent another donation. Um, thank you so much. I mean, seriously, this guy this guy has really gone out of his way to to help support the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Kyle, it's great. Thank you so much. Um. Contests. Let's see here. Uh, we do have two contests. Here's the thing. One of them I am super late on. <laughs> and so, and so I'm so super late on it that she was asking me for who the winners were like a week ago. So, <laughs> so, um, I'm going to get her winners next week, but I'm hoping that sh- they'll still be able to fulfill you know, the prize. If not, those five winners of that particular contest, I will get you something. I'll get you digital codes for a future contest or something like that. You'll be automatic winners for some other movie. Um, if I'm unable to get you the prize for, for the one I'll be talking about here in a moment, but I do have, um, uh, we are doing 
digital codes for the movie Stillwater and uh, from Academy uh, Academy Award winning director Tom McCarthy comes the mesmerizing and emotionally powerful suspense film Stillwater starring Academy Award winner Matt Dillon, Camille Cotton and Abigail Breslin experience the edge of your seat story that critics are calling brilliant. You can own Stillwater now on digital and Blu-ray which includes all new exclusive bonus content not seen in the theaters. And I've got uh, five digital copies of Stillwater that I'll be happy to send out to our winners. All you need to do is tomorrow I'm going to be posting a Stillwater tweet and a Stillwater Facebook post. Uh, retweet it or share it on Facebook. Take a screenshot and then send it to me. Comments at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Stillwater. And uh, next week, if I draw your name, you win a digital copy of Stillwater. Um, so yeah, that's how that works. And yeah, so definitely check out Stillwater and, um, enter the contest. I also, we did a snake eyes digital code contest. Now I've got physical copies on Blu-ray, uh, for, uh, GI Joe snake eyes. The action packed adventure snake eyes GI Joe origins is out now on Blu-ray and 4k ultra HD hailed as the best GI Joe movie yet. The iconic hero Snake Eyes rises to become the ultimate warrior in the battle against Cobra. Buy on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD today and get thrilling special features, including a bonus short film, deleted scenes, and much more. Also available on 4K Ultra HD Steelbook. Available at participating retailers. Rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. All you need to do is... I, same thing. Just uh, you know, I'll, I'll be putting out a Snake Eyes tweet and Facebook post. Screenshot it, send it to me. Comments at uh, comments at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Snake Eyes, and you could be a winner for the Snake Eyes contest. All right, contest out of the way. Did you guys see that there is a new flavor of candy cane out there? And I want to know if this is a candy cane flavor that you might be interested. in. In trying, this company has made many different candy cane flavors. Let me try to look them up. But the one that I will talk about now that's out, actually, it sold out. Have you guys heard of the hot dog flavored candy cane? No. What? Hot dog. (laughs) Yes, hot dog flavored candy cane. It's sold out. It's sold out. It's from Archie, the candy company, Archie McPhee. If you go to McPhee.com. You can look this up, mcphee dot com. Six dollars and fifty cents gets you uh, a set of six red and white candy canes, five and a quarter inch tall, with hot dog flavoring. You'll you'll relish them, is what they say. Aww. Yes. <laughs> Bun not included. Also, um, but yeah, they're out of stock, and you can put yourself on the wish list. For when uh, you can have them notify you when they're when they're back in stock, uh, Jake, hot dog flavored candy cane, <laughs> is your mouth watering for some hot dog? I think they had like dill pickled flavors candy canes before. They've had a bunch of yeah. Hold on, they've had uh, mac and cheese candy canes. Yeah, fried uh, chicken, fa candy canes. So yeah, that the the Asian noodle dish. Uh, Shiitake mushroom candy canes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Kale candy canes. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. Superfood. I will also say, not only do they have candy canes on the site, but they also have weird holiday ornaments on the site. They have a Bigfoot ornament, a blobfish ornament, and you've heard of a centaur. You know Santa Claus. They have a Santor ornament. It's Santa with fucking horse body. <laughs> it is a shirt. <laughs> It is Back a on their team. It is a shirtless it is a shirtless Santa with a horse body and underneath him he has presents for all the young boys and girls. It's the Santor ornament. It is fifteen ninety five on the Archie McPhee website. I oh my god, it is available. Um <laughs> <laughs> This thing is fucking amazing. And that's the mutant fucking Santa that would be hanging these sorts of candy canes on your tree. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah good call. Yeah, this website is wild. I, I highly recommend checking it out. <laughs> <laughs> you click shop by theme, and the, the the themes are hilarious. It's rubber chickens, Bigfoot, unicorn, cats, hands, squirrels, bacon, and meat, <laughs> underpants, <laughs> I'm sending you the category. I just sent you on Skype the Santar ornament photo. (laughs) Santa actually has nipples. (laughs) You can see Santa's nipples. That was just like there it is. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) What the shit? Man, the Santa's jacked. Yeah, Santor. yeah, it's it it's a Santor has been working out. <laughs> How do you improve Santor? First, hire a personal trainer and define that chest. This Santa has a six pack. This new design is a five inch hand blown glass ornament that has way better abs and a sack of toys. Some find Santor <laughs> weird. Others see him as strangely alluring. But everyone has to admit that a half horse, half Santa is pretty darn Christmassy. Includes string for hanging or can stand on its own, the Santor ornament. Can you, can you, I would love to see like this, like guessing the price on this on a Price is Right episode, Jake. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Do they have Santor Christmas cards? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I expected just to talk about the hot dog flavored candy cane, and then I was immediately taken by this Santor ornament, which I am like seriously debating on whether I should buy this fucking thing. I don't even have, I don't even have a goddamn Christmas tree, but I want this Santor ornament. <laughs> I think it'll be fine just on a shelf. I, I think it's present will it? be felt. It is fifteen ninety five. Fucking buy it. <laughs> yeah. PayPal in for that shit. You won't even notice that money. Gone. It's a real conversation piece. People come over to your house and they're like, "What the fuck is that?" I want to like, see. Well, let me get you a candy can. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> You guys are eating, you guys are licking on your hot dog candy canes. You might notice that tastes like a hot dog. <laughs> everything, everything provided tonight is from McPhee.com. <laughs> yeah, our new sponsor. Oh, they have sardine candy canes? Oh, uh, gross. That's so foul. God. 
<laughs> I would try the hot dog candy cane, though, just out of morbid curiosity. I would have to see what that tasted like. I, you know, I'm picturing it tasting like hot dog water. No reason. <laughs> I think the goal is to make it taste good. Yeah. Right. I suppose. Is it though? Like, like they made one that's kale flavored. Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- that's what I, exactly what I was gonna go with was the kale one. Like I, you know, I will put kale in things just for the health benefits. But it's not like I sit around and I'm fucking like eating a fucking like a leaf of kale on on its own. It's just it's just not a good flavor. So I don't know. If you want a hot dog, you just want a hot dog. This is <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you want to fucking suck on a hot dog for like 30 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> I want to see Santar porn now. <laughs> I just want to, I want to see him mount Mrs. Claus. Do you want to see Santar on Santar or do you want to see like, you want to like cross it up? Well, Jake, what do you, what, what, hold on. You got to explain this. Do you want to see two Santors going at it or do you want, do you want a human in a Santor? Oh, I want a human in a Santor. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see like Mrs. Claus taking it from Santor. Yeah, you want interspecies <laughs> porn with Dude, the Santor. Yeah. She's gonna be. She's gonna be. She's gonna be Santorn once. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, he's definitely. He's got to be rocking a horse dick down there. He's like, I got a present for you. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this package. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, we need to do that for like, didn't we do the Christmas episode last year? Yeah. We need to find. <laughs> With you, me and Greg? Yes, uh, last year, last year on Christmas Day, we dropped, um, erotic Christmas. Is Christmas erotica? And it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Hot dog flavored candy canes. Santor. Santor. Whoever thought of that was a genius. Yeah, do you think they knew the moment they thought of it that they were that much of a genius? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. But that was, that was genius. I mean, there's the guy that fucking created penicillin. There's <laughs> Einstein and then there's the Santar guy. I mean, that's, that, right? You know what I mean? These are things that have changed you know, the globe, the shape of human history, yeah. the course of human history, Jake. Is it interesting that the only things that Santor is wearing is a hat and mittens? <laughs> I think that. Why does he have the mittens on? <laughs> huh. Yeah, ooh. Like, I can't sculpt fingers. Let's I put mittens on him. <laughs> what do you think the other reindeer think of that? It was designed, it was designed by like Rob Liefeld or something. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Jake? What do you think the other reindeer think of Santor? They gotta be fucking freaked out. Right? Oh my god, I guarantee he's fucking them. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he, I bet there's like some reindeer sex trafficking or some shit going on. <laughs> oh, wow. So I got caught down the Santor fucking rabbit hole there. I gotta, I gotta put my phone down. Mm. <laughs> Jake's looking for Santor porn. <laughs> I will be. Um, all you right. Don't have to look hard. 
Mm. Let's see here. Let's jump into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening. I was going to say something about Sandor again or whatever. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, you have you have got an earful, haven't you? you yes, you, yes, you have, buddy. It's been a weird road. Uh, here's our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Who watched the uh, who watched the Chucky series on sci-fi? Anybody get a chance to watch the Chucky series? Yes. Yeah. All right, Chucky on Sci-Fi. Two episodes are out. I have watched both episodes. After a vintage Chucky doll turns up at a suburban yard cell, the idyllic American town of Hackensack is thrown into chaos as a series of horrifying murders begin to expose expose the town's hypocrisies and secrets. Meanwhile, the arrival of uh, enemies and allies from Chucky's past threatens to expose the truth behind the killings, as well as the demon doll's untold origin as a seemingly ordinary child who somehow became this notorious monster. And, uh, yeah, uh, Brad Dourif is, uh, Chucky, and two episodes have dropped on Sci-Fi. And, you know, it's fucking, it's the Halloween season. I've always been a big fan of Chucky. Was not a fan of the last, uh, movie with, uh, Brian Tyree Henry and Mark Hamill. And, uh, I just don't think that Chucky works as a fucking robot. I think it, I think that's stupid. And I don't care how much fucking goddamn talent you got on, on that. It just did not work for me. Um, but I do love, uh, I do love, but what, what, what I do love is a serial killer inhabiting the body of a doll. And so, <laughs> that man likes what he likes. Yeah. No, it's, it's that way with, Brian, but you like Terminator. I, yeah, but I don't like Terminators to look like a My Buddy doll. That's not, I, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-1000, uh, the T, uh, T-100 going out there and fucking killing people. I don't need, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, Jake, what did you think about, uh, Chucky? Um, I liked it a lot more than I thought it would. I, I only watched the first episode. Um, I was confused about, like, the timeline a little bit. Like, it feels like it may be the Halloween trick. We're, we're ignoring maybe, like, the last half of the Chucky movies. But I, I could be wrong because I, I think I saw that Jennifer Tilly is going to be in later episodes, which, which makes me believe all the Bride of Chucky stuff still happened. But, yeah, I thought this was kind of a, a back to basics for Chucky. And, and I really enjoyed that quite a lot. Like, just, you know in the later movies they kind of got away from people just being afraid of the doll and wondering whether or not the doll was real and you know who was making the doll talk and i i just like the back to basics approach that the show took with it mm. and um <clears throat> yeah i i'm probably going to continue watching this series i'm really curious where it's going to go and to kind of see where it fits into the timeline and it, it is great hearing 
Brad Dorif do the voice again. Yeah. Um, I've read in interviews that he um, he won't do that, like at conventions or shows, because it actually really hurts his throat. He said to do that voice. Oh wow, huh? So I, he really must put a lot into it to the point where, because I, I guess he used to do it at conventions all the time for people, like record voicemails and just go all out for people. But he's kind of had to step back from that because he said it really bothered I think he's he probably just saying that for a pay raise right like I don't know if I want to do this it really hurts my voice <laughs> it might take a little bit more money yeah yeah I, I could I'm kidding that, but- I'm kidding I, I, it probably does and especially at a convention where you're talking all day yeah, you have to do it loud and yes. all the noise going on. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it's the Halloween season. I think it's the perfect time to watch. Do you think he has a this. sign? Do you think he has a sign at his table that says, please do not ask Brad to do the Chucky voice? <laughs> and if you do <laughs> ask him, he just like taps the sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's got to get to that point, right? Where it's like, not only do I hate fucking doing the voice because it's fucking up my voice. I also hate explaining that I don't want to do the voice. So we've got this sign now. So not only do I not want to do the voice, now I got to put up a sign about not wanting to do the voice. <laughs> Is there a better way to watch this show streaming? I the only way I could figure out was to watch it on the Sci-Fi app. Uh, that's where I watched it too. I don't know if they're playing it on Hulu or anything. Okay, the commercials were pretty horrendous while watching this. It was like the only thing that I didn't like. It wasn't the show's fault by any means. Mm-hmm. But. Oh man, it would be like a 90 second segment once and it was right back to commercial and I was just yeah. like, oh my god. But you, you were saying that, um, that this is like the, the perfect time to watch this, this series and I, I agree with you 100% with it being the Halloween, you know, season and everything. Yeah, it's just fluffy <clears throat> horror fun and I, I think a real return to roots for like what they can do with the demonic doll character. Yeah. I liked it quite a lot. I was surprised. I thought I would have tossed this just on conception. Yeah. I mean, you've got this young boy who is, you know, very driven by, uh, art. And so he likes to basically make, he's like making like a doll sculpture and where he takes like all these different doll parts and he puts them together in a sculpture of a larger kind of like anthropomorphic doll creature man person. Anyway, it's weird. But um art is art and uh, it's subjective. I don't know. I thought it was fucking weird. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. But it was weird. I th- I think it was supposed to be. Everyone yeah. else in the show thinks it's weird besides yeah. the main character. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's something about like vintage dolls that are scary anyway and to have like these dolls actually make up like the human figure just looked really creepy to me. So, I mean, anyway, so he goes to school. He's not like very popular. He's got a cousin who, who is, and he's got, you know, kids at school pick on him and shit. And, um, by the end of the first episode, spoilers, but for the end of the first episode, did you, I'm pretty sure it happened in the first, did his dad gets electrocuted and dies in the basement by Chucky? Yeah. When Chucky vomits whiskey all over him, dude, in the second episode. And I'm not kidding. And I should not have laughed at this, but I laughed so fucking hard. the girl Lexi that picks on him that's a bully to him Mm -hmm. she shows up to this big party that he's invited to she shows up and her costume is is his dad getting electrocuted oh my god (laughs) she's fucking shaking (laughs) 
<laughs> and her hair is sticking straight out. She's she, she's she's wearing like his dad's like work outfit with his name on it. He must work at like a garage or something. And and she's just her outfit is just her shaking with her head like sticking straight out like Yahoo serious. <laughs> That's fucking. Fuck. He is a hundred percent killing Lexi. Oh my god, he has gotten so close in the second episode. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm. Here's the thing. Like this show, it's not like it's not great as far as like, like oh my god, what an amazing plot. It's just fun. It's just fun and stupid. Um, and it's weird because like some of the people that. You know, Chucky's going around trying to kill our absolute shitheads. But then on the flip side, it's like, not everybody he's trying to kill is a bad person. Like, he fucking kills, like, the housekeeper in the second episode. And I'm just like, oh, god damn it. She, we, there's nothing wrong with this woman. Oh, my god. Anyway. But, uh, I'm really, what did you rate it, Jake? I'm gonna give it a high taste it. Yeah, I'm right there with you with the high taste it. Joe, um, you watch Chucky. Yeah, I watched the first episode, and I think I got about half of the second episode, and then something came up. I didn't end up finishing it, but yeah, I'm right there with you guys. It's a high taste. It's it feels like perfectly, you know, like popcorn show. Yeah, to to just kind of shut your brain off and watch it, and and kind of have some laughs at at what's going on here. And they did an excellent job of making almost every other person that's in this kid's life like an absolute piece of shit that treats him just horrifically. And oh my gosh, that girl is just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if they're going to keep pushing that off and, and have her death come later in the season to just make it that much more satisfying. Did you get to the talent show portion of the second episode? That's in the um, first episode. Oh, it's yes, in the first one? The, that's in the first episode. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. Wa- I watched these like earlier like in the week, so I totally forgot. Oh yeah, that that talent show is fantastic. <laughs> it was very good. I, I didn't see that coming at all. And th- and that really kind of turned the episode around for me. And I kind of sat up and I was like, is this, is that what the show's going to be? Is this, this kid being like this reluctant tag along <laughs> Chucky where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm helping you out. I'm taking, I'm getting these bad people out of your life. And, and from that angle, it's kind of funny because the kid's playing, you know, the, the perfect, bewildered accomplice <laughs> i think chucky's trying to fucking make this kid his protege and i would not be surprised by the end of this series if that kid is also an adult oh wow oh yeah because he is obsessed with them so that uh, could tie in nicely so we'll see we'll see um Neil. I really liked what they did with the logo too. That, did you notice the logo was all the doll heads making up the word Chucky? I, I didn't look at that. No, hold on. I've got the po- <laughs> I I have one of the posters right here. I wonder if it fucking shows that. It was on the title card of the actual show. Oh, the the word Chucky is formed by just hundreds of doll heads. No, this one's got the classic Chucky with the Y, kind of like looking like a knife at the end with a point. Okay, yeah, I'll have to yeah, look at that. It's in that same shape, but it's all doll heads. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at that Santor ornament again. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I just had to tell from the, that laugh. <laughs> I had to close the browser page. <laughs> Neil, do you have any interest in watching anything, Chucky? Um, not 
much. Uh, I, I've never seen any of the Chucky movies. Oh, God. You got to at least watch the first one, Neil. It is fucking great. It's a cursing doll going around murdering people. Like, I remember watching it. <laughs> I remember watching it. I think I was like, I can't remember when it came out. I was like either nine or ten when I first saw it. And there's a part in it where Chucky, he's a, it's a, it's a fucking serial killer in the, in the body of a doll and he gets shot. I believe he gets shot in the first movie, Jake. And he looks at the kid and he goes, you know, I didn't think when I got shot, it would hurt. But he goes, but that fucking hurt. <laughs> and <laughs> I just remember laughing my ass off as a kid. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's kind of like what they did, Neil, was, you know, like there was this, you know, I think like Stephen King, um, made like this scary, you know, scary clown phase for, where, with it and like, you know, clowns were scary for a while. And then after that, they were like, what else can be scary? Oh, like fucking dolls. And so, mm-hmm. and basically they basically took like scary dolls and instead of going like the it route with them, turned it more into like a Freddy Krueger with like quips and shit. And I just, they were just fun movies that and like i also loved i grew up on the puppet master films jake i loved those oh yeah yeah i loved those a ton too i'm yeah. surprised they haven't redone that gone back to that well they actually just had a new one come out uh maybe a year or two ago which i haven't watched yet and i'm not sure if it's a reboot or a continuation but and i was and they had comic books coming out there for a while i was actually getting the comics for the puppet masters, but I think it came out. It's called the, the last Reich or something. Okay. It came out in 2018. Maybe I'd have to look it up. I'm just going off memory. Anyway. Um, Santor. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, Neil, I would, I don't know. I, do you think that it would, this might be like the best time to watch it though, is during Halloween, maybe where you can like appreciate it the most. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm looking. I can rent it for four bucks on Amazon. I don't know. I don't know if it, if it works now, Jake. Would Chucky work? I don't. I don't think it would. I don't. I think we're setting Neil up for disaster. We might be, <laughs> and it's like one of those things too. With like, I think you know, I have fond memories of critters when I was a kid, and the only like that's I think I'm like running off of nostalgia just for critters i don't know see now i disagree with that i I would strongly recommend neil watch critters way before child's play really i I think critters holds up yeah critters (laughs) is a little bit self-aware well i love tim curry is it tim curry in that one i believe so yeah i think so nice i love tim curry i think it, it might be tim it might not be tim curry i'm looking it up yeah it is. Um, it must not be Tim Curry. No, who is it? <laughs> 1986. No one I recognize. D. Wallace Stone, em- Emmett Walsh, Billy Green Bush. Hmm. Mm, bunch of nobodies. Oh, man. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen Critters. Anyway, I used to love Critters. I remember, was it, did they, did they, did they form the giant Critter Ball in the first one or was that the second one? I think that's the second one. <laughs> it's the payoff. Yeah, man. There's a part where all the little critters, Neil, critters are like tribbles, but they're like tribbles if they were piranhas. Ah. Okay. okay. So all these, all these little, all these little critters form this giant critter ball 
and it's like that fucking gigantic boulder that's going after fucking Indiana Jones. <laughs> but this one's got fucking razor sharp piranha teeth. And so not only does it run you over and kill you, but it also fucking chews you up as it does. Oh, shit. <laughs> and it was so fucking, it was, and the, what was amazing about it is you heard people screaming and then as it runs over them, you can hear bones crunching and it's just so awesome. <laughs> I used to love critters when I was a kid. Uh, anyway. Let's, uh, let's jump into, you know, we talked about it on 400, but I do want to talk about it on this episode with two of the super fans. Uh, Dune, um, dropped in the theaters and on HBO Max. I do want to let you guys know that I have watched this again at home. So, nice. um, uh, you know, I did, I watched it in the theater in IMAX and then I, and then I watched it at home. Uh, Paul Atreides is a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding. Must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Uh, Denis Villeneuve with a, uh, directed this movie with a screenplay by John Spates. Uh, Viennoe and Eric Roth. Uh, it is the first of a planned two-part adaptation of the 1965 novel of the same name by Frank Herbert. The film stars an ensemble cast including Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley, Henderson, Zendaya, David Dasmalkin, uh, Cheng Chen, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, and Javier Bardem. And, uh, yeah, let me ju- let me jump in here uh and 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 talk about this one. I honestly to rate this thing right now, it, for me, um I almost feel like this should just like be a freeze it, but I'm not going to give it a freeze it. I'm going to give it a rating. But I feel like this movie does so much setup and I'm almost in this first movie. It's so hard to connect to a certain character because there's so much setup and I'm actually just wanting to get to the Freeman. That's who I'm rooting for in this because I'm not actually, I love, um, Oscar Isaac in this movie. I love his character, but I'm not really rooting for him or Paul because it's just like, you're still fucking on this planet just getting the spice, right? Like that's what it like. These people don't fucking You're still want you. Being colonizers. Exactly. These people still don't fucking want you here. And I love the part. You know, there's a part in in this movie where fucking Oscar Isaac is like, you know, I don't care about the fucking freighter. I don't care about the spice. Get those men off the. You know, they're about to be. You know eaten by that fucking gigantic worm. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Get get the men off of the freighter. And I'm like, I like this guy. He cares about people. You know, he cares about people's lives. He wants to work, you know, with the Fremen and form an alliance. And and he wants to make sure that, like, you know, they're safe and all this shit. I, I like this guy. But on the flip side, he's just there. I mean, he's also there for, like, the benefit of his own people and then profiting. So this whole movie, it's like I'm not, like, 100% aligned with what anybody's end goal is here. I'm just waiting for like the moment 
where Paul teams up with the Freeman because like that's who I'm like rooting for in this, and we don't really get him in this movie until the very until the very end. It really just sets up everything going forward. I mean, there's a lot of scenes with like Paul getting visions and stuff, and a lot of these visions are what keeps him alive throughout this journey in this first movie, and a lot of that stuff is like his time with the Freeman, and it's like. That's where I want to get this character because I don't really care about this character before. If I make, if I'm not making sense to you guys, I apologize. It's just that's. No. And I think yeah, you, th- you make perfect sense. I I think the whole book thing's like a two plus hour prelude. Yes, I think the book readers, Neil, Joe, I think you guys are getting so much of what you want in this movie because like it's. Like you can, I mean, you can just refer to like what you know about these characters from the books and maybe how, you know, Denis has adapted them into this movie. But for me, it's like watching this, I'm, I'm ready for that second movie because I'm, I'll be honest with you, like I'm not rooting for anybody really in this movie except for and Joe I gave you so much shit on 400 and for no good reason I am rooting for Duncan I I'm rooting for Duncan Idaho in this fucking movie like that's the one part not, you know well it's like he spent time with the Freeman he fucking respects them and you know and then just to see him fucking his badassery when he's fighting and shit I'm just like I fuck and he's the only guy with like personality in this whole fucking movie um and I'm not and I'm not bagging on this movie at all. I, I actually really, really like it a lot. I just think that you got to – I it's going to be one of those movies that I'm going to have to look back on it collectively once it's all done and we get part two. And I think like once you just smush them together as one big epic, then it's like, oh my god, that might just be the Tupperware for me. Because it's the, the movie looks beautiful. It fucking moves for two and a half hours. Um, the acting is phenomenal. There's just this weird kind of like disconnect that I have with, um, the characters, um, that we're following here at the beginning because I can't root for, I'm not really rooting for any of them because I'm actually rooting for the Freeman who like are not really featured heavily in this first movie. If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Neil, talk to me, man. Did you get it? You, you have gotten a chance to see Dune? Yes. Yeah, I finally had a chance to see it. I went and saw an IMAX. Nice. Because um, that's where I wanted my first experience to be. You know, I, I could have watched it when it came out on HBO Max, and I was like, no, I want to see it how I want to see it. Good for, for you. The first time. And <laughs> I'm really glad I did that because holy shit, was this thing absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it was it was perfect, I think, for what it needed to be, um, which was basically to get the world caught up to when the story starts to get really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first I mean, Paul is, is probably my least favorite character in the first half of the book, uh, and I, I before uh, Leto died. I thought he was the main character. It kind of was like a, what George R. R. Martin did with uh, uh, Ned Stark. Um, I thought he was going to be the main character of those books, and I, I thought Leto was going to be the main character of Dune. And obviously, that was not the case. Um, there, there has to be. We're losing you, Neil. 
Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, you're back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're back. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I was just saying, there must be a five Oh, shit. We're losing Oh, again. boy. Neil, you might want to bounce out. You Let's pause. We're back. Cool. Talk to me, Neil. <laughs> uh, I think what I was saying when uh, my servers decided to be an asshole uh, <laughs> was that... There must be like a longer, like a five-hour cut of this movie where they explore a lot of the stuff that's in the book, and they had to really just pare it down to streamline it and make it move like it needed to move to tell the story rather than to tell each individual character stuff. And it was basically made for me, as someone who loves the books but hasn't read them in a while and mm. is kind of... Uh, was familiar with, enough with the characters to kind of fill in the gaps on my own, as you were saying. Um, I, I did think that Jason Momoa was phenomenal as Duncan Idaho. He was He's the perfect like blend of, of badass with a, a really big heart. Um, and he, he seems like that in real life, too. And so it just worked so perfectly for this character of Duncan Idaho. Um, performances were great. I'm gonna, I'll Tupperware it for myself just because it is exactly what it needed to be, and it was a great success in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's goddamn it. It's like visually, it's a, it's a, it's a Tupperware. It's a it, overall right now. It's 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 a high taste it for me. But I think once everything is all said and done, this could be a Tupperware at the end of the day collectively. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's parts I I absolutely loved in this movie. I, I really didn't connect with Paul Timothy Chalamet's character until the very end of the movie. Yeah, that's where he gets interesting in the books. Yeah. So yeah, this is all the Agreed. setup for where everything starts to actually become what we, the rest of the mythos is is about halfway through where they stopped it. So mm-hmm. it, it basically is this is like a prequel almost. Um, that where it's setting up what the rest of the universe is going to look like, like going forward. I feel terrible giving it a high taste it because I know how much Joe loves this and how much you love this, Neil. I feel terrible giving it a high taste it because I feel like, um, you know, it's just something that you guys love um, so near and dear. It's like, and it, it, and I, I'm so happy for you guys that it it's a Tupperware. It's like I would love to have like that experience in a proper ensemble transformers movie but it i mean bumblebee's it and it's like (laughs) you know yeah i would love to have this for dark tower yeah 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 Yeah. and so but uh i think honestly i think this has done so much setup and done a lot of setup really well and now we're getting to the frame and who like that's where i really want to see i feel like that's where i can kind of like start really rooting for for um people in this in this because yeah. it's so it's such a weird thing to kind of break this movie down as far as like you know like as far as like I'm oh I'm I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Leto and Paul and it's like you're kind of just there to fucking get spice off these people's planets they just want they they just want you to fucking leave them alone at the end of the day yeah. right and so it's like but now with maybe Paul kind of like helping to lead the charge the with you know with the Fremen taking on is it the Harkonnen? The 
Harkonnens. Yeah. Harkonnens, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what the second movie kind of like is setting up. And all those flashback scenes and shit like that, or flash forward or visions. And I was just like, oh my God, I want more of this. I want more of the frame and stuff. <laughs> this stuff's fucking yeah. awesome. Once he, once he switches from Paul Atreides to Paul Muad'Dib is when it really gets fucking fantastic. Yeah. When his powers start to come in and he starts to become the leader that he's been prophesied to be and when he fulfills the Kwisatz Haderach thing and, you know, it, it, like that stuff is where, like where it starts to blend all this religious and political stuff together with this freedom fighting of the, of the Fremen. It, it, that's when it gets really, really, really fucking good, and that's where it stopped <laughs> in this movie. Mm. Well, and, and you know, I was uh, I was listening to uh, Joe. You 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 recorded an episode of Startcast with Kova from Scenicast, and I was listening to you talk about this movie with Kova there. And you were talking about the books. You were talking about characters, and I was just like, everything you were saying had me salivating for Mordoon. It's, it's not like, it's not like this movie, it's not like this movie was just like, it was so much set up, I couldn't root for anybody, I'm checked out, fuck this movie. It's not like that. It, it's really not. It's not like that at all. It's just, there was so much set up in this movie that it, and the way it left off, it made me, like, fucking dying to watch the second film. Like, I'm, I'm ready for part two of Dune. Thank God there's a part two of Dune. Yes. Yes. And there's so many trilogy. There's so many cool parts in this movie. I absolutely, I Oscar Isaac fucking killed it. Yeah. Oh, he played such a great Lado. So great. And like, I loved, uh, the fucking tooth scene. I was like, holy shit. That is, that was fucking dope. That was so fucking cool. I'm not going to spoil that, but I was like, that is, (laughs) that was fucking awesome. Um, Oh, uh, one thing I want to throw out here, Jake. Um, I think I want to make I want to make a movie. <laughs> Hold on, you have, you you know those commercials, the the Colgate commercials, where they always talk about how nine out of ten dentists prefer whatever brand. Oh, of course. Maybe a movie where like fucking like you know the Colgate's numbers, it's been wiretapped, and people are listening in on conversations about Colgate wanting to kill that fucking one dentist. That, <laughs> and the movie I would call it Colgate Gate. <laughs> I like it. Is there a hyphen? Is it Colgate hyphen gate? Colgate hyphen date gate colon dawn of justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm into it. I would watch that movie. Very cool. Joe, talk about dude. Talk some dune, man. Dude, I was so impressed with this movie. It did everything it needed to do for me. This is this is the version of this movie that I've been waiting for for a while. And I, I think that he pulled off a really nice trick here in that he put a lot of stuff in from the book and just showed it to you without explaining anything about it. Um, at the beginning of the movie, when they're waiting for the Emperor's delegation to arrive on Kaladin, and, and Leto asks uh, Thufir Howitt, how much did this cost him? Do you remember how his eyes go kind of weird? And then he rattles off figures right away. Thufir was what's called a mentat, which is like a human computer, because in this world, computers aren't allowed. Because they thousands of years in the past, they had had a war against the thinking <laughs> machines. And so they have this law that like a, a computer can't be made in, a, in, in the likeness of a human mind. And so they trained these humans to be able to do that sort of stuff. And so they show you what a mentat is. 
but don't tell you anything about it. And there's all sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of little things like that. Um, giving you all of the deep prophecy stuff that the Bene Gesserit had sewn in among the Fremen and then not really explaining any of it. They did all these things that I think, and the trick I think is that I think that there's enough people like you, Brian, that are salivating for more. Mm-hmm. And I think the people that watched this and they didn't have any previous experience with Dune and then they're like, oh my gosh, we're getting a sequel. They're not even going to start filming it until late next year. What am I going to do? And then they look up and maybe they buy the novel yeah. and they read it. And then after they read the novel, they go back and watch the movie again. And now it's going to be like they're seeing all these Easter eggs in the background, all this imagery <laughs> that, that, that Villeneuve put in there but didn't explain like all the Matador stuff, um, like lots of little stuff. Uh, when you see uh, Raban in that um, – in that little clip right at the beginning where Chani is kind of explaining everything and it focuses in on the whip on his belt. <laughs> like that's something from the book. When, when, um, when, uh, when Paul and Gurney are having that shield fight in the practice room and then Gurney's down the floor and you can see that big scar on his face. Mm. That scar's there because Raban did that with his whip when, when Gurney Halleck was just a little boy and that's why he hates the Harkonnen so much. And he went to Duke Leto, you know, it's like, there's all of this deep history in there that, all of the signs are there, but he just didn't drag it out and explain it to you. And so I think yeah. it was kind of a neat trick that I think the people who see this movie and they really want more, maybe it's going to drive them to the books and who knows? Who knows? I mean, I know a lot of people don't have time to, to, you know, to read books or, and I think the audiobook for this is like 26 hours or something. So it is an investment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, it's a real annoying audiobook too. I haven't read Dune since I was oh, in high school. Bad. And so I, I went ahead and spent the credit on Audible to get the audiobook. And it's like, it's like an almost like a dramatization. It, it, it's multiple actors. There's lots of sound effects and music. And it, it really kind of takes me out of it. I can't I, do those either. I've tried like the, the Star Wars ones that do that, Jake, kind of drive me crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just want the, I want one guy reading the book to me. And I, I would have been happy. I, I don't know why they went all wonky with the audiobook. So I don't know. I may just actually That's have to read a book. and and that's what i did i just bought it again i bought it off the (laughs) itunes store and just had it a copy of it on my phone and then instead of you know browsing through social media i'd just read a chapter of dune and i knocked it out in two weeks and had the first half of it read before watching the movie and so it was really cool to have that refresher and then go into it because it does follow the book so well and yeah and, like, Neil's not kidding. The second movie is going to be the shit, dude. It's, like, oh all guerrilla warfare where <laughs> where Paul, 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 he had, like, the best trainers, like Gurney Halleck and Duncan Idaho and his mother and, and Thufur Howie. I mean, he had all of these incredible trainers. And so even though he's 15, you know, he's, like, a just peak Badass. capability fighter. Like, he can – and also what's cool with the shield stuff – is that, you know, if you're going really fast, you can't get through a shield. And so when they're fighting, they have to be really fast, but then at the last second, slow down so that that yeah. blade will pass through the shield. Hmm. And then later on, when he's fighting with the Fremen, he has like shield inhibitions. And that's part of the reason that it's taken him so long to, to, to kill Jet, uh, or, you know, it's part of the reason, <laughs> I don't want to give away too much of the end, yeah. but it's, it's part of the reason that, that that fight at the end takes longer is because it's like, he, he, he's you know, used to fighting a certain way. Exactly. And, and, and the other guy's able to kind of roll away at the last second. But but Paul's able to take all of these skills that he knows and then teaches them to the Fremen. And then on top of it, Jessica teaches them the weirding way. 
And so now, you know, they were already <laughs> taking out Sardaukar like it was nothing, which is fucking unheard of. Because the Sardaukar are like the deadliest force in the universe that all the other great houses are afraid of. Joe, I just wish you were, I just wish that you were excited for this movie. (laughs) You know what? I've already watched it four times. The part, there's like, there's so many like little scenes in this that I absolutely loved. And one of them was, and uh, let me try to remember, it was, it was Oscar Isaac as Leto and he is, it's right after, uh, Paul was almost assassinated by that, like, little drone. Hunter, mis- hunter killer. That hunter killer that is in his room. And the general is like, you know, I resign my position. He, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, you're gonna resign now? He's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, I need you to fucking take down whoever did this. He's like, he's like, basically like, fuck your honor. If you want to, if you want to, you know, uh, do something for me, fucking, you know, you know, uh, lead, lead, lead this army and fucking, you know, take these people down. I was just like, oh my God, I fucking, Incredible, I love, right? so good. Oscar Isaac just can deliver. He's like, he can just deliver lines like. Like nobody's business. This guy, I can't believe he's going to be fucking Moon Knight. I mean, oh my God. So and on a fucking Disney Plus series, no doubt. Yeah, like opposite it's, Ethan Hawke. Opposite dude. Ethan Hawke. This is yeah, it's insane. But Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac is just a gift unto the acting world. I'm not even kidding you. Like from the first time I saw this guy in um, Ex Machina, I was just like, this guy is incredible. This and it just got amazing range, and uh, Denis Villeneuve he he has just this is just a stacked fucking cast, and oh that's God. one of those things where I'm wrong. I was wrong. I, I when I said like, oh, this is just not going to be. This is not going to do better than Blade Runner twenty forty nine. This is just going to be, you know, it's going to be very niche and it's not going to bring people to the theaters. First off, I think it might help that it's on HBO Max. Get it before a lot more people but on the Agreed. flip side i think with him getting some of the hottest actors out there that he's worked with before you know josh brolin coming back from you know uh, sicario and then he, you know you have dave batista who he worked with in uh, uh, blade runner 2049 and he's just stacking all this talent um you know timothy chalamet who's like one of the hottest young actors right now zendaya like these are the hottest up and coming young actors you're going to get young people wanting to watch this movie just because of their names like this has got the star power you know it's like it's weird because we don't think about that anymore it's almost like we just go to movies because it's like either a marvel movie or we like that director we don't think of star power anymore like i think like one of the only it's weird it's like tom cruise brings people to movie theaters but you don't have movie stars like tom cruise anymore you know it's just it's we're in a different it's not the 90s anymore it's yeah, not like I think the promotion for this movie was really good too like not only did it have the cast but they really did bill it like they straight up said it was the next lord of the rings and star wars and, yeah. and i think it made it more accessible than say blade runner yeah where people felt like they were getting in on the ground up they, this was part one for everyone where where blade runner was this thing where you had to watch this fucking oldest shit movie that no one wanted to revisit and you know, it took a lot of commitment to go and enjoy Blade Runner, the second one. Yeah. Well, th- I, this one felt like you could just walk on in. I want also want to point out that the letters in Dune also spell out the word nude. Would you guys watch? <laughs> would you guys watch Nude Dune? Everybody's naked. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) In a heartbeat. Oh, man, that sand is really going to chafe, I tell you. (laughs) Right? I feel bad. The one nit I have to pick is that there was so much of the mask off uh, stuff in the desert. Um, Because you really don't want your mask off, especially when you're talking because you're expelling all that moisture. And that was, that's a really big part of the books. But other than that, like, it was so goddamn good. I, I love the way they showed Paul's future visions because he sees every single potential future, like, at yeah. once. And, like, he gets lost in it. Like, he'll be yeah. in, like, these visions and, like, he'll have no idea, like, where am I even at? Where's my body at in the time flow right now? Because, you know, growing up, he was never really exposed to spice. But then once he's out in the desert, it's everywhere. And then once he's actually living with the Fremen, he's like, it's in his food. It's in everything he's drinking. And then his eyes become blue. And, you know, the blue within blue eyes of the Abad. So fucking shit. <laughs> it's the shit they actually said that in the movie. When they actually said that in the movie, I was like, ah, they said it. <laughs> but they did such a good job of portraying it. Well, when when you said, did you, did, visions, did you look over at your wife when that happened and did you say that? And she's she like, hasn't watched this. Hold on. Okay. Me? I was just, I was just, I was just hoping it was going to be one of those moments where she patted you and she's like, well, I'm happy for you, Joe. I'm, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm happy that they said the thing that you like there, Joe. <laughs> the other big theme that it, that that I'm glad he's tackling in this is the the prophecy versus propaganda, which yeah. which they're going to get into a lot more in the second movie because Paul's going to have to uh, capitalize on that prophecy that you know the Fremen believe is a real thing, but really it's just stories that were planted by the Bene Gesserit like thousands of years before, centuries before, just in case somebody from their order was ever stranded on that planet, they could use those superstitions to their own advantage. And so in Dune, it's like this perfect storm of a a human being with the right genetics, the right training, and then being able to capitalize on these people that are so strong because they live in such a harsh environment and they're such strong fighters – but because of this propaganda, this prophecy that they believe in, they believe Paul is their Messiah. And so they, they take him in, and then in the end, they end up becoming the ones that are... Wow, well, like, let's not get into spoilers, man. You're like... Well, I mean, this is, you know... I mean, it's 1965! Oh, come on! Come on! I, I'm, I'm more saying it to... I wasn't even alive in 1965. <laughs> I'm more saying it to address this. One of the negative points I've read online are people being like, oh, it's just another... Messiah, another chosen one story. And it's like, not really. He, he, Frank Herbert did similar to what, like, what George R. R. Martin did in, in, um, um, I'm blanking now. Game of Thrones. Um, The Game of Thrones books. Yeah. And that, you know, he's taking these, these regular things that you see in the genre and kind of turning them on their head. Yeah. Well, and four, they were super regular too. And and, and, yeah, yeah, here's the thing. Like all, a lot of stuff that he's done in this movie, you know, well, in the book was done way before we'd see, like we'd seen it influenced in Game of Thrones or even in, you know, uh, Star Wars Wars. and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, this is definitely a pioneer. I'm honestly, a lot of people just shit on the chosen one story. And I think, you can do a really good chosen one story. I mean, it, yeah. it, yes, it's been played out. It's been played out, but 
I still think there's rooms for chosen one stories. I, I, you know, and, and I think, I think we're yeah. in, I think there's still room for that kind of shit. I loved it. I, you know, I loved it in the first Matrix. That's what I'll say. And yeah, I was going to bring up Matrix too. Yeah. Matrix 4, we're going to be kind of going back into that well. Oh God. I've seen that trailer in the theater like three or four times now. And it just, Same. It, it gets, oh, nice. it gets me excited. I, I, I really hope it's not a letdown, but it really does get me excited. I, I'm, uh, I'm pumped too. I feel so dumb and gullible. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's good. I, I don't want to be let down again. Oh, Trinity's got new powers. Trinity just like, she's fucking got new powers that we've never seen Trinity with before. And I'm just like, holy shit. And, uh, (laughs) oh my God, I'm just so pumped for this fucking, I'm pumped for Matrix War. I did get to see the uh, Batman trailer in IMAX. So did, yeah, so did I. Yeah, so did I. Oh my God. I cannot fucking wait for that. I know. Like, it's so pretty that, like, it brings tears to my eyes when I look at it. Like, it's just so gorgeous. (laughs) Oh, it's so amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, guys. I still still don't know what Pattinson is saying to Paul Dano. I have no clue. Yeah. Okay. I need subtitles for that trailer. I've I, I do too. Like a dozen times now, and I can't make out one word. He's <laughs> 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 speaking Sardaukar. Yeah. It's a dude crossover. If I was the Riddler on the other side of that glass, I'd be like, excuse me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no fucking idea what he's saying. <laughs> I know it's weird. Let's, I uh, guys, yeah. So I, I really enjoy Dune. I am like my high taste that does not like um waver like my excitement level for the second one. Jake, what did you, what did you rate it officially? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, I echo a lot of what you're saying. I, we talked about it a lot on 400. Yeah. It's a high taste it for me. Like on the one to 10 scale, it's an eight, you know, it's almost right there to go Tupperware. Uh, and I agree. I, I think the second movie can put a whole new focus on this first movie, Yeah, but it's, it's just like, yeah, I just didn't find myself really falling in love with any of the characters except for like you guys said duncan idaho was just you know a wonder um and yeah i I love the music too i've seen a lot of people complaining about the music and it's fantastic and its presence in the movie and and it did feel like its own character but i i loved it i they really jacked up the volume in my theater for this and i'm me too yeah oh my god the music was like a supporting character i i I loved it i thought Hans zimmer did a fantastic job (laughs) I guess he's already um, written stuff for the second movie, even though they haven't done anything else yet, just to help inspire the the director and writer. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm really High taste. It's a great ratings, though, guys. I mean, that's nothing to apologize. No, and Joe, honestly, I feel at the end of the day, once we get the second part and we get the part that I want, I want, I want Freeman. Like that's what I'm. I, that's oh, what I want. You're gonna get it. Thank God. And I'm. <laughs> it is a. It is a little bit of a humorless affair, though. Like I, it's getting a lot of comparisons to Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and like that kind of scale. But unlike those franchises, it's a little bit dry. 
and not that that's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. if There's, you're going to put it next to those two franchises, it's definitely the driest of the three. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't really care to go in and like laugh my ass off though. So no, I didn't need to yuck it up, but it did, it did kind of make it a little bit of a somber affair. Only seeing the first half, which felt very much like a prelude to like where the juice was going to be. Yeah, like I, it just kind of added to to it not being a Tupperware for me. Stick your hand in this box. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think there's any humor in the books, though. No, it's not. They're not funny books. Yeah, I, <laughs> what I want from Dune Two is a few good fart jokes. <laughs> I, oh god, they're gonna Jar Jar Binks is gonna show up in Dune Two. Yeah, they're gonna land on the planet and be like, "Look at this giant litter box." <laughs> Um, let's, let's jump into, uh, Last Night in Soho. And, uh, who got a chance to watch Last Night in Soho? I did. I did. I did. Alright, I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of, of director Edgar Wright, who, who did this movie. An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s, where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. And, uh, it's directed by, like I said, Edgar Wright, with a screenplay by Wright and Christy Wilson Carnes. Uh, from a story by Wright, uh, stars Thomason McKenzie. I, I, I've been a big fan of her since, uh, Leave No Trace, the movie she did with Ben Foster. Fantastic movie. Um, if you haven't watched Leave No Trace, I highly recommend that movie. She's also great in Jojo Rabbit. Um, this movie also stars Anya Taylor Joy, Matt Smith, Michael Zhao, um, who plays, uh, John, Ellie's love interest in the movie. And then Terrence Stamp is in this movie. I love some, General Zod. Um, so <laughs> Chancellor Valorium as I as I refer to him. <laughs> yes. Uh the film this film also marks the final film appearances of both Diana Rigg, who played Miss Collins, her landlord, and uh Margaret Nolan, um, who played uh Sage Barmaid. And she had uh, roles in Goldfinger and A Hard Day's Night. Both of these actors died uh, in September and October 2020, respectively. So these are their last appearances on film. And if you ever want to see um, what Margaret Nolan looked like in Goldfinger, wow, what what a yeah, what yeah, yeah. a knockout! Um, but uh, I uh, let me explain. My experience with this movie, I went Thursday night, uh, to a theater to watch this on opening night. And, uh, I've never mentioned this on PCL before. I have mentioned this on, uh, Scenic Cast before. I'm gonna, I have a theater arch nemesis. And let me explain what I mean by that. There is a certain person at a certain theater that I go to that has that once a movie starts and if it's a comedy, it's just unbearable. Uh, this person has this annoying laugh that goes on throughout the entire fucking movie. Oh my God. This is what it sounds like, Jake. <laughs> <clears throat> and <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Hold on. This is, this goes on throughout the entire, this motherfucker, this goes on throughout the entire 
fucking movie. The entire fucking movie. And it first happened when I went to see Bad Times at the El Royale. So I'm watching Bad Times at the El Royale and I hear, <laughs> and then it continues to happen throughout the entire fucking movie. I have never, it's, this has happened to me. I think this is like the seventh or eighth fucking movie I've been in the theater with this guy. Wow. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. This is not a joke. <laughs> and this movie, there are parts with humor, but it's not a comedy. This is like, I, there's a, there's sex trafficking going on in this movie. And yet this person still is such an awkward fucking weirdo that they were laughing <laughs> in that goddamn ridiculous fucking annoying laugh. <laughs> I am an hour into this movie and all I am thinking to myself after listening to this fucking laugh haunt me this entire fucking film. Sometimes it's not so bad. I'm in an IMAX and he's sitting way in the back and I'm closer to the front and I can't hear him that much. So like if it does get quiet, I'll hear him go, hmm, you know, but, but I can live with it sometimes. This time I was like, you know what? I had like, I had maybe 40 minutes left in the movie. I was like, fuck this guy. I'm fucking out because the whole time I'm thinking to myself, I can't rate this movie. Because all I want to do is climb over the back of this chair and strangle this motherfucker. <laughs> I, I And at first, you can hear people in the audience, like some of the younger people, when they hear him, they kind of like giggle to themselves like, oh, okay, that's weird. That's a, that's a weird laugh. An hour into it, no one's laughing. <laughs> because – and honestly, here's the thing. I, I went back and I saw this movie yesterday, but on the flip side, watching it without that, you still fucking hear it though. <laughs> like in your head, like, like, oh, like, like it's phantom oh. laughter. Yeah. 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 It's like, it, it's his laugh is like an earworm that just gets in there and you can't get rid of the motherfucker. So, but so honestly, like the first time I'm watching this, I'm watching it. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to get into it, but I'm fucking livid. I'm angry. I'm just like, I can't believe I'm stuck in here with this motherfucker. He likes to go on opening night to certain films that I love. <laughs> and then even during this one, I, he, he, he unleashed a new laugh that when, <laughs> when they when it's, when it's an awkward sexual joke that, or, or sexual moment that was brought up into the film, his laugh wouldn't be, this rapid machine gun laugh, like, mm, mm, it wasn't that shit. It was, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking let this guy ruin my movie anymore, anymore. I'm walking out and I left. And so I left and I went back last night and I watched last night in Soho. And without the fucking jarring laughter from this moronic idiot uh, who goes to the Springfield 8 Theater AMC. And if you're listening, <laughs> fuck you. You are you are, you you are an abomination to the movie theater experience, <laughs> sir. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, what can you do? You can't fucking go to it. You can't go to the people that work there and be like, um, this guy's laughing and enjoying himself. 
Like, like (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing I can do. My hands are tied with this shit. I just walked out because I love Edgar Wright. And I'm just, I'm not going to, I couldn't rate it. There was no way I could give you a proper rating of last night in Soho with this moronic jag bag. It was so terrible. Anyway, so I went back and I watched it again last night. Um, and I'm glad that I did because there's a lot of stuff that I missed because I was just fuming on the inside. Just, just <laughs> absolute anger. Um, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Uh, it, uh, I, I want to hear from you guys cause I've rambled on a little bit too much, but, uh, Jake, what did you, I'll, and I'll get to my rating and my thoughts, but, uh, what did you think about last night in Soho, Jake? Yeah, I loved it. It was an absolute Tupperware for me. I thought that cast was phenomenal. Um, I thought the twist and turns were, were really gripping. Um, Edgar Wright is just such a master with directing. I love all the stuff that he did with like the glass and the mirrors. And I thought there was just a lot of really smart transitions that he did. Um, uh, the music and the score were just amazing. I've already checked out the Spotify playlist after seeing the movie. And yeah, man, I, I really didn't see too many trailers and advertisements for this movie before seeing it either. And so that made it a lot of fun. I, I honestly didn't realize like how much of like a horror slash psychological thriller this movie was going to be. That, that angle almost kind of took me by surprise and that, that almost made it even more wowing. Um, yeah, see this movie with as little information as possible. I think it really helps it out. But yeah, I mean, Anna, Anna Taylor Joy is, fantastic as always um even if maybe she's getting kind of typecast in this like period piece type of character now with this and queen's gambit um but yeah this was this was so good um it's been a long time since an edgar wright movie and i hope there's not a as big of a gap between baby driver and this as there is between this and whatever he's going to do next because man he's really really making some great movies these last five ten years yeah um Joe, what did you think of uh, Last Night in Soho? Yeah, I was really looking forward to this one, and it did not disappoint. I, I saw it opening night in the theater, and it was a packed room, and, and everybody in my auditorium seemed to really love it. Uh, it was – it was, it was yeah, I didn't really know what to expect going in because so many of his movies are, are so different. You know, like uh, – but I really liked the way he did the – the the kind of the ghost story aspect to this and like jake was saying all the different cinematography tricks and stuff in it with the mirrors was really really cool the the actors in this really did a great job of selling it too um yeah i just loved everything about this one it was absolute tupperware for me neil yeah i had no idea what this movie was going to be about i didn't even know that edgar wright was the director when i went and saw it I was very surprised when his name popped up. (laughs) 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 I I only knew that um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who I know from The Witch and Split and Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. That's that's all I've ever seen her in. Yeah. Uh, But I loved her in all three of those projects. And I thought that the uh artistic elements of this movie were absolutely fantastic the directing the cinematography the acting all of that was great i love the social commentary about uh you know sex trafficking and, and all that stuff um i did figure out the twist pretty early on um but i didn't particularly like the movie i i really appreciated its artistic merit but i just didn't really enjoy 
the story that much. Uh, I, I'll give it a, a tasted based solely on the artistic elements of it. I had an issue. I didn't figure out the twist. I did at first. The movie cleared it up for me, but I almost had an issue with the with the reveal at first. Yeah, I almost had an issue, and I, I felt like the movie kind of um, what's I can't think of the word, but the movie kind of corrected that for me in the way that I kind of like looked at the experience and mm-hmm. and how I looked at you know uh, we were dealing with a movie with that deals with sex trafficking and and there there's there's a moment where i was just like i don't really like how it's handling victims in this particular moment and but i think the movie kind of uh took care of that issue enough for me and um and i'm glad that i went back and watched it a second time i i also was kind of jake the stuff with the glass you know the the glass yeah. breaking and and the, and the look of the movie and uh i thought uh um, Anya Taylor Joy was was really good. Matt Smith was fantastic, and and uh, I, I I loved the look of it, the the '60s, and and it was an interesting main character. She she's talking to like was it her grandmother at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, mm-hmm. she's talking the to her. In the mirror? No, no, the woman in the mirror is her mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but she's talking to her grandmother at the beginning of the movie, and her grandmother's aware that she sees her mother in the mirror, and, but her mother didn't have the gift, and she's got a gift, and that's one of the things that I missed the first time I watched it because of <laughs> in the back, <laughs> <laughs> and that motherfucker doesn't do it during the trailers. It's when the movie fucking starts. He's a sneaky son of a bitch. It's like <laughs> what's he do? He must like be fucking like zen and out during the trailer. Dude, you think you're in the fucking clear. You think you're in the fucking clear and then all of a sudden the fucking fucking the first 3 minutes of this goddamn movie. <laughs> oh, you you motherfucker. Cuz I could have got up. I could have got up and walked into a different movie. Uh, I should have done that anyway. But um but I I I I uh yeah, she's got this gift and 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 she goes to she goes to Soho for this uh fashion school and and she goes into this uh this this room and it's it's very retro. She listens to old sixties music and that's her favorite period is like sixties London. That's the one place that she wanted to go to. And uh she kinda gets her wish, I mean big time and, and, and she's <laughs> and she's 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 thrust into the world of nineteen sixties London and uh things, you know, start off being kinda like this like this like this romance and and it kind of tells the story of like that's how like a lot of these girls get sucked in like uh anya taylor joy's character you know she had these dreams of being like uh, a singer and being you know the star and you know in order to do that there's certain things you got to do and it's got like this very weird harvey weinstein element and then next thing you know like these women are getting sex trafficked and and it's 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 really it's 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 a sad thing it's a sad thing you see somebody who's like got the, this this joy and this like you know all this hope in the world and and young uh young girl wants who has like you know she wants to be a star and then that just gets taken away from her from the evil of these men uh in these in these high positions and it's 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 and then i got this motherfucker laughing the whole fucking time <laughs> yeah what is the what is there funny about in there i don't fight he's 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 just there's something wrong upstairs man so and and i 
you know, I'm sure you've seen other Ed, cause he goes to all these fucking movies. I know he's a movie fan and I'm sure you've seen other Edgar Wright films, but dude, this isn't a fucking comedy, you son of a bitch. Like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Edgar Wright movies are normally funny. So yeah. I must be doing my annoying laugh here too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, after the second watch, I'll give this a Tupperware. I, I thought it was great. It almost dropped down to a high taste it because of, uh, the reveal. And I think that, I think the movie does a, it delicately kind of take, took care of that enough for me. But I, I, I loved last night in Soho. And so I think, you know, if you have a theater near you and you, and you're interested in watching this, uh, definitely check it out. <laughs> um, I thought that, I thought the, um, the person that played Jocasta was a great, like, villain oh, character. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. She was fantastic. Oh, I hated her. Oh, I hated her so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, my God. I think you were supposed to, and they did a great job with that. Oh, oh yeah. My God. I fucking hated her so fucking much. I felt so bad for her when she was so excited to get there, and then her first experience in the dorms is just, oh, I can't be here. You know, this, <laughs> I am not like these people. and yeah. It was a great way to endear you to the main character right away, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. At the Like, when the movie first started, and we see her in her room, and she's got, like, that newspaper Paper dress. Paper dress on. I was thinking, <laughs> is this set in the 60s? Because, like, everything about that looked like it was the 1960s. It wasn't until later that I started to realize that, you know, because I'd seen trailers for it, but... You know, it's it's one of those things where, like I, you know, I would, I, I totally have forgotten that she was kind of thrust into like this. It reminded me of um, of a horror version of Somewhere in Time, the Christopher Reeve movie. Okay, oh, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. Which Neil, cool. if you've never seen Somewhere in Time, it is one of the best science fiction romance movies ever made. I have. Watch it. If you can find it and it's got, what's her name? The the fucking uh, medicine woman. Dr. Jane oh, Seymour. Jane, yeah, Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeve. It is like, I mean, as far as romance is, in, uh, is concerned, it's a, it's a beautiful romance film, but also it's got like the science fiction element. It's Christopher Reeve and he goes to the, this old hotel and everything in this hotel is of that time there is nothing from our time so he actually dresses in a suit of that time what is it like the 18 is it late 1800s or early 1900s it's like 1920s or something i think that's right it's been so long since i've seen yeah i'm my history is so bad. But anyway, he like dresses of that time. He buys a vintage suit of that time. He goes into that room and because, and he lays down on the bed and he like falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he wakes up in that time. And it, it you have to, it's, and he falls in love with Jane Seymour's character in that movie. Oh, it is so, it's such a beautiful fucking movie, Neil. Somewhere in time. So you have, like, yeah, much be better suggestion than Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1912, by the way. 1912. Oh, that's like, isn't that like two years before the Titanic went down? Yeah, I think you're right. I like, it's exactly in between the two times you said. <laughs> so split the difference between what you said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm, season 11 premiere. If you don't watch... Neil, did you watch this? I don't even know if you watch Curb. No. No, I don't 
particularly like Larry David. So oh, I didn't watch it. Gotcha. I particularly love Larry David. He's pretty unlikable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty, 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 pretty unlikable. Uh, Joe, did you watch this? I did watch this. I've only caught episodes of Curb just now and again. I'm not, yeah. you know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but he, Larry David just skates the line for me. Like this episode, I had so many laugh out loud moments, but like Neil said, he's so unlikable <laughs> that like it's one of those shows where it's like I laugh my ass off when I watch it and then the equal parts I'm like oh god this guy is so despicable <laughs> yeah, I but tried I, watching Curb yeah. from the beginning and I just couldn't get into it yeah I think yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely Seinfeld in it you know it's definitely mm-hmm. it's definitely like if you like the humor or not yeah yeah it's all about it's all about the comedy um Jake you watched it and you were like, you, you sent me a message this week. Did you watch Curb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm kind of breaking the rule here, but it's Curb season 11, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I loved it. I thought it was one of the best premieres in a while. It, it was so cringy at parts. It was like that classic Curb, like, I don't know if I should laugh or be disgusted at a few parts. And, uh, he's, he's oh. trying to collect on a debt that from a guy who has earned Early onset dementia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. And one of my favorite characters is uh, Susie, who's the wife of his agent. And oh man, Susie gets a lot of great material in this episode. Too. Oh yeah. They really, u- they really utilize Susie, and that's fantastic. The whole, the whole, the the, the plopping down on the couch was great. <laughs> oh, the plop that's was so fantastic. Funny. John Hamm was fantastic in this episode when when he goes from like doing the they're doing like a mock funeral. It's a live. It's a live funeral for Albert Brooks and Albert Brooks is watching his own funeral while he's still alive up in his bedroom. Yeah. And you know, Larry's being Larry and he refuses to kind of get in line. And you know, he does this whole speech where he's just kind of poo poo in the idea and not committing to the fiction that Albert Brooks is dead. And then you get John Hamm who takes it a hundred percent serious. And I don't want to spoil what happens, but John Hamm gets pretty upset. Mm-hmm. He goes from being very serious about Albert Brooks being passed away to very upset that Albert Brooks is alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the whole the whole the whole uh guy breaks into Larry's house, fucking dies in his pool after he fucking runs runs away. And Larry, Larry might get sued because he didn't have a fence around his pool. Like you have to have a five foot fence around your pool. Oh my god! And uh, there's a daughter of the guy who's blackmailing him that he's forcing Larry to put into his new Netflix TV show. Yeah, and that actress was hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I'd never <laughs> seen her in anything before. But oh my gosh, the the scene when you're first introduced to her to her audition, she is fantastic. I, I love her, her. Her her headshot was her in the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> 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 audition was so cringy that like halfway through it i had to like remind myself this is a professional actress and like this is how good she is so that she's acting she's doing such a good job of acting bad that she like totally fooled me you know it was it was a really great performance oh and then after she did her audition larry just smacks his hands together we found her that's it (laughs) (laughs) you can see the disappointment in everyone else's eyes yes (laughs) yes 
Oh my gosh, I feel like this show is going to be a colossal failure for Netflix. Uh, I can't see Larry coming out good with this. Oh no, no. Fictionally. I hope, I hope though, by the end, somewhere during, I hope like the penultimate episode of the season is we just get to watch the full episode of Young Larry. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the Young Larry pilot. That yes. Would be amazing. I would love to just see the whole episode of Young Larry. That would be <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, the concept man. for that show is so funny too. It is. It is. <laughs> He's slowly killing that man. <laughs> <laughs> to collect inheritance. So fucked up. I love when he's talking to the Netflix executives and he's like giving his demands about how he wants no interference and they're like cracking up like he's doing a bit and he's like basically tells them this is not a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you will not have any creative control whatsoever. Uh, who got a chance to watch uh, the uh, – yeah, I Tupperware. I loved it. Um, who Who got a chance to watch The Last Duel? I did. I did not. I did not either. I th- yeah, it's just me and you, Jake. Um, how do you how do you say this? Matt Damon's character. Well, how do you pronounce it? Jean de Carroge. How do you say his <laughs> name? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Jean. I, I think we can go just. Yeah, let's go with Jean. Jean. Jean Luc Picard is a respected knight. No, Jean. Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Jean is a respected knight known for his bravery and skill on the battlefield. Jacques Legree is a squire whose intelligence and eloquence makes him one of the most admired nobles in the court. When Legree viciously assaults Jean's wife, she steps forward to accuse her attacker, an act of bravery and defiance that puts her life in jeopardy. The ensuing trial by combat, a grueling duel to the death, places the fate of all three in God's hands. It's directed by Ridley Scott from a screenplay by Nicole Holofcener and Ben Ben Affleck and Matt Damon based on the 2004 book The Last Duel, a true story of trial by combat in medieval France by Eric Yeager. This one stars Matt Damon as uh, Jean, Sir Jean, Adam Driver plays Legree, uh, Jodie Comer plays Marguerite, Ben Affleck as Count Pierre, uh, Harriet Walter as Nicole de Bouchard, Alex Lothar as King Charles the Sixth, and Martin Koskis as Crespin. Uh, Alex Lothar, who played King Charles, was the uh, the the lead male actor in uh, The End of the Fucking World on Netflix. That's where I I was like, where did I see this guy before? And that's where I've seen him before. Um, yeah, this uh, this movie, uh, the way it's set up, I, I had no idea they were going to do it this way. Um, Neither they they set it up to where you've got uh, uh, Jean, the husband Matt Damon. You get his side of the story is like Act One, Act Two is Jacques Le, uh, Jacques Legree, the guy, the attacker uh, that attacked his wife. You get his side of the story in Act Two, and then Act Three is uh, uh, Marguerite, uh, played by Jodie Comer. It's her story. So you get all three stories and then it ends with the outcome from the, from the actual duel to the death. And, um, Jake, I, between the three acts, like there's, there's scenes that line up and you get to see them in a different way, in a different light. And there's the scene, there's the attack. You see the attack from, uh, Legree. Uh, played by Adam Driver's point of view. 
and the music is completely different. But then when you get to act three and you see the attack from Marguerite's point of view, it's almost like a horror type music is being played. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy shit, this is, this is, that is just like some of the, some of the choices there and how, how the music and, and what we're seeing and how some of it's the same, but it's, but it's different. And, and uh, I thought it was a really ambitious fucking way to present this story. Everything looks amazing. Um, I mean, we can talk about Adam Driver's acting until the cows come home. I was really surprised though with how fantastic Ben Affleck was in this movie. Uh, I thought he was just like, I didn't know he had that, that range to play that, that character. Like he played that character so evil. It just came off like such a dirt bag. Um, <laughs> but, um, and Matt Damon was really good in this, this too. Um, Jody Comer was fantastic. I, um, I, man, this is some heavy fucking subject matter, but, I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and like I was, by the time that they had broken down all three stories and we got to see the actual duel, which I would not spoil. Um, but the t- by the time we got to see the actual duel, I was like fully invested. And I, yeah, I was blown away by this. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were, Jake. Yeah, I thought this movie was fucking brilliant. This this was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. I, I, I did not know they were going to do... It's like watching the same movie from three different perspectives. Yes. And then you get the wrap-up at the end that like ties all three perspectives together. We've seen this story in other media, but I don't think I've ever seen this story in set in like a medieval kind of setting, you know, and based on a true story. Yeah, this is actually about the, the, it's called The Last Duel. It's about the last trial by combat that, you know, was ever recorded. And, uh, man, by the time you get to that, the, you know, The Last Duel, it's just so exciting. Like the, the story builds it up so much that you're on the edge of your seat. I had no idea, even though it's a like real historical thing, I had no idea what the outcome of this Me either. Be. Yeah. Yeah, I won't spoil it as well, but man, it could really go either way. And even when you're watching it, it's, it, hard to tell who's going to end up on top here but yeah i agree with brian it's a it, very heavy subject matter i mean we're talking about whether or not someone was raped is kind of the central plot here yeah so it's it's not a light movie by any means but it's it's just so gripping and so well performed and yeah you kind of don't really know what's going on until all of a sudden you start back at the beginning again and you're seeing it through Adam Driver's character. And even then I didn't realize we were going to eventually get to see it through, through her eyes. Oh yeah. Version. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, Oh my God, what are we, you know, what's going to happen here? And I mean, just this movie is filled with a lot of shitty people. There's really no one to root for in this movie. Like even people that you think are noble in one version are just as scummy as everyone else in the next. And you just, you look at how like women were treated back then. And then like, there's even a point in this movie where like even the queen in this movie, there's things that are going on and you look at her face and she knows that it's hard for, even for her as a woman. And she's at the top and you know, it's like, you just know that this, this, like their whole marriage, their whole marriage, like her whole marriage, like when you see like 
Matt Damon side, Sir John side of it. It's, it's like this romance fairy tale and, and like she sees him and they, it's like they instantly fall in love. But then like by the time we get to like her story, it's all about land. It's all about like, like her gaining his name because he's got like this, you know, uh, noble name and like her father on the flip side had, you know, been involved in some shady dealings and so they've got a bad name and and he's just marrying her to acquire this land and and um it's i was just i was i think there's no better way to tell this story than the way that it was it was done here in this movie by seeing all three parts it was just brilliant yeah, I, honestly, I think it's one of Ridley Scott's best works in a long time. And yeah. you know, he's got House of Gucci coming out this same year really soon. Uh, it's going to be hard topping this, I think, even yeah. with the cast that that movie has. Like, yeah. I, I really had very low expectations seeing this movie. And, yeah, wow, it, it, it was stunning. Joe, Neil, I, you guys have to see this thing. Okay. Yeah, when, when it first came out, I was really interested in – when it said it was based on a true story. And so I looked it up and read this big, huge article kind of covering the, the actual historical events of it. And it is just terrible that, you know, back then, I mean, uh, a woman couldn't bring some sort of a charge like this. She had to have a, a man do it. And then this trial by combat is, you know, if, if he dies, then she's going to get burned at the stake. Oh yeah. It's like, holy, like what just a, a brutal, terrible system of justice they had back then. I'm really excited to hear that you guys both Tupperware it though. It makes me want to see it. They talk about how like women can only, uh, have a child when they, I guess when they come to like when they, when they have an orgasm, they come to completion. That's the only way that was like their yeah. science behind it. Uh, yeah. It kind of mirrored like stuff you hear in modern day where, you know, with the abortion stuff, like they, they kind of presume that she wouldn't have been able to get, have gotten pregnant unless she was enjoying the rape. Right. Is what characters are like insinuating, which is pretty fucking hideous. It was, oh God, it was fucked up. And there's like, there's another scene where like, you know, she's revealed to her husband that she has been and he's not even like concerned about like what she had gone through, like emotionally and, and psychologically what she's gone through. He's only worried. Oh, I think this is a spoiler. I, I wouldn't even say what. Okay. Here. All right. Yeah. I'll shut up. Yeah. Just watch this one. It is, it's heavy shit, but my God, it, it it's got, it, it, it's, it's fucking presented in, in this. Uh, I've just, I've just never seen anything like this ever on the screen, especially with ever, like, the 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 duel that they have at the end and and set in this period um it's a powerful movie it really is and and everybody was fantastic in the movie um top to bottom with this cast they just really put on a uh, on a great performance here in this movie and you know what i'm not gonna lie i saw this and i said you know what eh, let's see gladiator 2 no, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Gladiator 2. No. <laughs> um, I went to the theater this week, uh, I, and actually yesterday I saw Antlers. Um, nice. Did anybody else get a chance to watch Antlers in the theater? Yes. I did not. No, I didn't. Neil, I love you. You saw Antlers. 
It's, uh, so it's, they did. A small town Oregon teacher and her brother, the local sheriff, discover that a young student is harboring a dangerous secret with frightening consequences. It's directed by Scott Cooper. Scott Cooper directed uh, Hostiles, Black Mass, Out of the Furnace. Uh, this movie stars Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons. Um, that's what, that was a big pull for me to get me in the theater to watch this Same. one. Um, Same. Love Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jeremy T. Thomas, Graham Greene, Scott Hayes, Rory Cochran, and Amy Madigan. The screenplay written by C. Henry Shazon, Nick Antosca, and Cooper was adapted from Antosca's short story, The Quiet Boy, originally published in Guernica Magazine back in January of 2019. They fleshed out an entire movie with this one. Neil, um, movie starts off. Small town in Oregon. This guy, Frank Weaver, he's running a meth lab out of an abandoned mine. His son, Aiden, is waiting outside in his truck. And Frank and his friend are attacked in this lab by this unseen creature. And Aiden hears these noises, goes up to the door, and then uh, I guess we're, we assume that he's also attacked by the creature. Um Kind of do like a, a time jump. I think it's just a few weeks. Three months. It's three months. Three months. Three months later. Yeah. And uh, the Aiden's older brother, Lucas, is – we're seeing him, you know, walk around the town. He's he, he, And he's collecting roadkill and he's killing animals. <laughs> and he takes them home. And you find out that there's this door that's all locked up and he's been feeding – his dad now this roadkill so his dad has been turning into something else and and this boy is just going to school and he's I, okay neil j- jump in here this movie is and and you've got yeah. you've got um uh Carrie Russell who plays his teacher and she's she's concerned about Lucas the the small boy this actor that plays Lucas is fa- fantastic oh good so good oh my god and then Jesse Plemons is playing uh Carrie Russell's um uh brother, brother. And, and he's like the sheriff of the town she comes from a background she's just back to this town she comes from a background where she was abused as a child and she didn't come back until her father died and so now she's back in Oregon after living you know years teaching and in California now she's back in Oregon now that her dad's died and uh she yeah go ahead neil <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot going on in this movie. Yes. Um, it talks about like ecological destruction, yes. uh, economic depression, uh, terrible family dynamics. It, ha- it has all of this really complex and heavy shit in it, which I was not expecting from a, a horror movie. Uh, but it really it, it didn't fully explore any of those topics, but I think it was good that they didn't get lost in the weeds and they just kind of kept it pretty tight um so you didn't really get the full story about anybody but you got enough to kind of understand where they were coming from and like what was affecting them and you you have a lot of indigenous people uh and 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 their issues with uh us white men um and, and like i i love graham green he is one of my favorite actors. It was great to see him. I didn't know he was going to be in it. I love yeah. Warrior Co- Cochran because 
Empire Records is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and I was like, yes. I, at first I was like, are they going to let him fucking talk? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had the same thought. Um, Plum, uh, Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell were just as great as they always are. Uh, this, there, this movie was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I was riveted from start to finish. And yeah, there is a ton going on. The creature itself is, oh. wow. Wow. Design. Yeah. Especially when you see its face, you know, the special face at yeah. the end. Oh man, that was, that was <laughs> intense. Yeah. But yes, this, this movie was, was a top wear to me. I, I had a great fucking time watching it. It is scary. It has something to say, and it says it, and the performances, the cinematography, everything is just gorgeous. It does take a little bit to get going. It's a little choppy in the beginning, but it's, it definitely adds to kind of the ambiance of what they're going for. Yeah, it doesn't and, it, it doesn't shy away from the creature violence either at all. Yeah. It does oh not shy God. away at all. <laughs> it is brutal. Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect from this. You know, I always like I was wondering like why is it why is it called antlers? Why is it called antlers? And I didn't but I didn't expect like this whole like Native American mythology to yeah. be a part of the story. And that was fucking dope as shit. It was, oh yeah. my God, it was so good. Yeah, this is a Tupperware for me too. I, I, I thought that this was, I thought that this was a absolute Tupperware. I loved this movie. Antlers is really good. That little boy actor is so goddamn good. So fantastic, yeah. man. <laughs> like I, I, you could, you could really like, you could feel the, like the malnutrition. Mm-hmm coming off of him you could feel the 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 internal struggle that he was going through this the entire time he 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 he's going to be somebody to watch cuz he was absolutely fantastic in this part there's something creepy about it's just scary it's just scary a, a young boy living in this house alone coming back with like roadkill and dead animals and then feeding them to his father in this locked up room yeah and oh, and when the principal goes, yeah, oh my god, god. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited to see this. It's really good. It is great. Yeah, Antlers is like, really I've, fucking good. I've always loved Wendigo stories. Like they scare the shit out of me, and yeah. so it, it, the timing just didn't work out for me to be able to see this one. I'm really excited to hear you know how much you guys like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We've got more good pop, bad pop, but we're going to take a quick break. We are Venom. And if you don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only six dollars a month. All right, hey, we are back. I forgot to put something in my notes, but I I didn't not want to talk about it. Um, did I ask you guys to watch Foundation? No, no. Um, I thought we've reviewed Foundation before. Did we review Foundation? Yeah, me and you Tupperware. We did. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I was like, did I'm sick, Jake. And if no, people cool. and if people want to know, I'm not drinking alcohol tonight. I've got like 
I've got, I've already went through two waters. I took a swig of Pedialyte, and now I'm gonna drink a Sprite Zero. A Sprite, a Sprite Zero, Jake. Sprite Zero is delicious. I love me some Sprite Zero! <laughs> I went, I went, I went, yeah, I went Baron Zero! Baron Zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that foundation's great. Oh god, I'm. Uh, I still gotta watch. I started episode seven. I haven't. I haven't finished it yet, though. Uh, but let's talk about. Uh, Apple dropped another series. Did you guys watch any of Invasion? Yes. No. I did not. I watched the first three episodes. Uh, they dropped three. I haven't watched the fourth one yet. Uh, Invasion's plot synopsis, inspired by H.G. Wells' book, War of the Worlds, a sci-fi drama that will make you question what you would do under extraterrestrial threat. Following multiple storylines across different continents, Invasion takes a global look at how one alien invasion would affect us all. It's created by Simon Kinberg and David Weil. Simon Kinberg, if that name sounds familiar, he's best known for his work on the X-Men film franchise and has also written such films as Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. movies. So, yes, that's Simon Kinberg. Jake, still waiting for the invasion. Um, let's see. I mean... Still after three episodes? <laughs> uh, hold on. I mean, they've really kind of... Kind of, it's been a cock tease of an invasion. I've got, I got to see one ship in the second episode at the end, and then by the time we get to the third episode i can't remember i don't think we saw any aliens or anything like that it's really a slow burn uh i'm gonna yeah it's a taste it for me um i'm going to continue watching it just because it is apple tv plus and because it is a slow burning kind of thing to where it's just like enough to keep me i want to see these fucking aliens and i haven't seen any goddamn aliens yet (laughs) So I want to see yeah. these fucking aliens. But the, some of the storylines are interesting and some of them I don't give a fuck about at all. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, uh, the storyline with the, um, the, the woman that works for like the Japanese space program, her story does not interest me at all. She doesn't interest me at all. And the story with Ahmed and his family is, and I don't know if you've gotten to that in this. Did you watch the second episode, Jake? No, but okay. they've, they've done. You're talking about the guy that his wife caught him cheating. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. Yeah, he, he. I mean, that story's kind of interesting. It's just like right now, it's like we're just really watching the drama part of it, and so it's like there is some sci-fi and there's a lot of stuff going on, and the power's gone out. There, you see a lot of stuff that you would see in like you know these invasion movies where like you know they take out. They take out the power. They take out our communication. They don't want us to be able to work as a unit. And, you know, they, we've got these little attacks that are happening all around the globe. Um, but we just haven't seen any aliens yet. And, and, um, I don't know. It's a taste. It, it it's, and it, it, I'm going to stick with it, but my God, there better be some fucking payoff and we better start seeing some aliens soon because right now I'm starting to just, know more about i don't know it's weird because like yeah jake go ahead take over for this one 
Yeah, I'm going to taste it as well, um, but I'm going to keep watching. I, I'm fully committed. I, I feel like this show is the perfect recipe for jumping the shark, and I have to see it happen. Um, <laughs> Brian's right. It's such a slow burn, and they're, like, just dangling the, the whole invasion, like, in front of your face like a carrot. So it's like you just got to keep running and trying to get that carrot, you know, and it, at any moment, once we once we maybe a see the aliens or b figure out what their motives are, this show could just go off the rails. Yeah, I, I have to see it, whether it drops that ball or, or whether it doesn't. I have to see it. Um, yeah, the first episode was pretty good though, but I, I, I agree with a lot of what Bride is saying. I it's a lot of despicable people and a lot of dramatic storylines that have little to do with the actual invasion angle. Um, I guess the interesting factor is seeing how you deal with this kind of drama in the setting of an alien invasion. So, I, I mean, I, I guess there's some juice to be squeezed there, but so far it's not doing all that much for me. Um, a lot of the characters that were the most likable in the first episode are dead by the end of the first episode. So that's a little bit of a bummer as well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I just don't know what's going on. Like what, if it's a full blown global alien invasion, then why are we killing podunk cops in the crop circle fields? Like it's just very bizarre. I'm really curious to see where we're going with this. Yeah. They may not even define like the whole purpose of this show may just be human interaction and we may never even see or know what the motives of these aliens are it kind of feels like that's the road we're going down here um max richter did the music for this show and that was very apparent to me within the first five minutes he did all the the music for the leftovers it's like all that haunting slow piano music and it's very on brand for max richter it's almost like he just peeled that score and put it onto here and that's a little bit disappointing i I thought it worked really well in the leftovers because it was very unique and different for what what i was seeing there but it feels very copy and paste here and i'm a little bit disappointed in Max Richter and his range as far as a composer goes. He, it kind of feels like a little bit of a one trick pony after seeing this post leftovers. So, um, you're my yeah, second music. favorite Richter after Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I knew another Richter, it might even drop Max down after, after seeing this. It's, it's a little bit of a, and it makes the whole thing just a real like slow, plodding, somber affair. Um, but yeah, something about it, something about the budget, something about just seeing where they go next. Like, I can't look away. Like, yeah. it's a taste it, but I will watch every episode of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching it, too. I, I know I'm going to, you know, be diving into that fourth episode just to see what they don't show us. So, well, <laughs> but I think it's really cool how open to doing big budget science fiction concepts apple tv plus is apple tv plus i think is quickly becoming the home of big budget high concept science fiction like yeah. between for all mankind and foundation, foundation yeah. and, now, and now invasion it's i mean that's almost to me what it's like signature trademark is quickly becoming is just willing to roll the dice and gamble on these really high concept expensive science fiction series i would go on i would also say that apple tv is very focused on creators yeah 
Yeah. When you go to Apple TV, they'll have like their talent on the front page when you scroll down and they'll have pictures of, you know, Rob McElhenney and, and, uh, Jason Sudeikis and all the, you know, um, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, all these different people that are involved in all these shows. Like they, they, they've got them kind of like highlighted on the, on, on the front page there. So I think they're very creator and actor driven as well. They want it to be like a, you know, I guess they, as far as like, you know, Netflix is just content, 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 Tiger King, Stranger Things, content, content, Squid Games, content, content. And Apple TV Plus seems like it's more of, um, uh, curated kind of creator driven content, if that makes sense. Yeah. Everything just feels so well produced on Apple TV Plus, though. It's like uh, almost all the shows like have the same, like, it's not a negative thing, but just, they just put so much into production. I, I'm really impressed with how high quality anything, even shows I, I don't necessarily don't like, still just look and are produced to the nines. Who called? Who was it? Was, did Seven Up call it Lyman? Were their flavor Lyman? Or? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, because it's lemon lime with Sprite, and it was Lyman with uh, with Seven Up. Glad we got that cleared up, Jake. <laughs> Where did that even come from? I'm looking at my Sprite can. <laughs> I'm like that. I was like, that must be some episode three shit. Cause I don't know. What you're no, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like that dog from up seeing a squirrel. It, it, it's, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I'm fucked up. Oh, you know what, you know what movie I watched for the first time this week that I've been wanting to watch and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to fucking watch it. Uh, it, and I was like, it's on HBO max. Um, uh, Greenland. That, uh, the global killer, that, that meteorite that's gonna hit the earth and destroy it and shit. <laughs> I loved Greenland. I thought it was, it was, it was stupid fun. I fucking thought it was fantastic. I loved Greenland. Um, I thought it took kind of like a, uh, almost like a realistic kind of approach to like how it would be. I, I, I fucking, I, I thought, hey, uh, Neil, Joe, have you watched Greenland? Not yet. No, I saw you raving on it on the raving about it on the Discord. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, maybe I'll watch it cuz when it first came out, I just kind of passed it off as oh, another one of these movies. It's good. Yeah, me too. It's, no, it's the best one of those there is probably. Like if you put it if you're putting it in the same category as your like Day After Tomorrow or your 2012 where I got it. <laughs> it. It's it's easily the best of that genre. It's oh, really nice. Good. I'll check it out then. It's really Cuz I remember being really excited about the trailers for Day After Tomorrow and then I watched it and I was like, ugh. Yeah. I bought that one yeah. when it first came out on DVD, and I was just like, Rrr. so. Yeah, they do a good job of, like, just <laughs> inducing the claustrophobia in that movie and just, like, the panic of crowds not knowing what to do. Oh, God, when, like, when that, when that couple uh, takes the young boy because he's got the bracelet and they just, they, they, they basically oh, yeah. kidnap that kid. For that oh, kid. me too. Me too. Like, how are these characters ever going to even reconnect? I didn't even know if they possibly would ever. And then the kid's diabetic and needs insulin, and it's just like, fuck, there's just so much. I, it's, it's, yeah, Greenland's really good. I was surprised at how good it was. You know, it's on HBO Max. They, Highly recommend. They, no pun intended, but they greenlit a Greenland sequel. Huh. And, uh, I'll be here for it. I, I want to see Greenland too. Maybe, I think Greenland too should just be, I don't think it should, I think it should be like, the same event just with different people. We get to watch it happen with different people. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I would watch that, but I got pretty invested in those characters. I, I'm. I don't I'm, care I'm, what they're doing post Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. May, oh, the sequel's going to be called Finland. 
Oh boy, who's the st- who's the star of that? I'm I'm brain farting. It's a dude from Three Hundred. I, I know exactly who. He, oh, Gerald Butler. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Gerard Butler. He said Gerald Butler. Gerald Butler. Yeah, that's it. That's his father. I don't know. Yeah, it's Gerard Butler. Yeah, he was great. He was a great lead. He's so good in that movie. He can phone it in sometimes. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. This movie that it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. I had heard everybody talking about how good it was and how it was not supposed to be so good. And and so I was like, well, let's fucking find out for myself. Let's watch this motherfucker. And so I watched it and I was like, holy shit, I'm really digging this movie. Yeah, I regretted not seeing this in the theater. Me too. Could have seen it in the theater. Maradona. Is it Maradona or Maradona? <laughs> I just call it Madonna. No. <laughs> No, it has nothing to do with the material girl, Jake. Maradona, I'm just going to say Maradona. Maradona, Blessed Dream. Did anybody watch any episodes of this on Amazon Prime Video? I did not. I started watching the first episode, and then something happened at home, and so I wasn't able to finish the first episode. But man, what a weird start. (laughs) Neil, you didn't? No. This is me. This is just me. All right. Maradona, blessed dream, follows the controversial life of legendary footballer. So, yes, soccer over here in the States. Diego Armando Maradona, a boy from Argentina with a dream of greatness, made his mark in the International Football League, earning himself a well-deserved place in history. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Um, It's 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 just it's, it's looking at like a soccer prodigy who. I mean, he's just leagues above above everybody else, and and you get to see him from like the beginning of his life, growing up and and playing soccer for the fun of the game, and then you get to see people that are trying to capitalize on his talent, and it looks like there might be drugs involved. It looks like maybe painkillers are happening, and and there and then it, it'll fast forward to like the you know towards I guess the end of his life where he's like having a drug overdose, and they're you know. Uh, People that he's been surrounding himself with, they don't want to even have the ambulance called to the house because they got drugs in the home. They want, they don't want the police showing up there. So they're driving him to the, to the, to the hospital so that, that this guy can maybe live and fight another day. And I don't know what happened to this guy. I'm not, I'm, I'm the only soccer player I'm really familiar with is fucking like Pele if we're talking about like soccer players from this time. And, uh, um, but, uh, it's good. I just think like the budget's not great. Um, the dub isn't fantastic and the editing is weird. Um, but it's an interesting story. I'll give it a, a taste it so far and maybe I will watch more. I almost did watch the second episode, but I wanted to watch Dune again before we recorded. So I watched Dune for a second time, but it's a uh, Maradona blessed dream. Uh, it's just one of these stories where it's like, you know, you, you have some really great stories with, with athletes that, you know, they have the right people around them. And then you've get, you, and you get this kind of shit where, you know, it seems like even the government was getting involved in like this, this kid's life and, 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 um, so yeah, uh, Maradona Blessed Dream. It's on Amazon Prime Video. Check it out. Uh, Wakefield. Did anybody watch any of Wakefield? Yes. I watched the first episode and a half. Okay. I've watched the first two episodes. Gifted Psychiatric Nurse. This is on Showtime. Wakefield on Showtime. Gifted Psychiatric Nurse. 
Uh, Nick Katira is the most stable person at Wakefield Mental Health Unit in the picturesque blue mountains of Australia. But as his own sanity suddenly starts to slip, he finds himself questioning the line between reality and madness. It's an eight-part Australian television drama series that was originally aired in Australia, but it was now picked up by Showtime. And uh, stars a bunch of people I've never seen before, but Rudy Darmalingam uh, plays Nick Katira. And uh, I, uh, Joe, how many episodes did you watch? I watched the first episode. First episode. I I didn't know what to think about this like when I first saw that this was going to be on Showtime and then I like started seeing some like buzz on it and different articles and stuff and um I'm it's crazy. I'm fucking hooked on this show. I'm I'm hooked. Like each episode you get to see all the different patients that are in Wakefield um and there's this one guy who's kind of like a businessman and he's checked himself in, but he's still trying to do business dealings and, but he's got all this stuff going on around him in this, in this, um, mental health unit with people yelling and screaming, but he's still trying to play it off. Like he's like this businessman and he's like calling from his office, but yet he'll be in like a, a closet and taking these calls and, and he's got issues going on. And, and then, um, um, uh, you've got a woman who is like terrified of like taking care of her own child. In the second episode, you've got a, a another woman who's uh, she's got like this insatiable kind of like sexual hunger, and she just has just wants to have sex and and be naked and be naked and uh, but she also loves gardening. Um, <laughs> And, and then you've got the, the acting nursing unit manager, Linda, who everybody fucking hates. And, but her job is up for grabs and now she's kissing everybody's ass. But then there's this whole scene in the first episode where she fucking flips out on, and I, I'm, I'm hooked. I, I, this is a Tupperware for me. This is, I, there's, I think this is like one of those shows you just really got to get in there and watch it. But I'm really kind of, the scene that really fucking did it for me was how good of a nurse Nick is. And like the one guy who didn't get leave, he was one of the patients and he really wanted to get a leave to spend time with a, with a relative. They denied his leave and he's fucking flipping out. And Nick shows up with a ball and starts throwing it back and forth with him. And as he's throwing it back and forth with him, this guy is like now opening up and talking to him and then he breaks down and starts crying. It was a really powerful scene, I thought. And, mm. and, um, I'm just really, I don't, I'm, I, I am, it's the characters. It's, it's being in this, in this mental health unit. And I have experience with this. When I was 17, I, you know, I talk about my suicide attempt from when I was 21, but when I was 17, I threatened to do this and, and, um, that basically it ended up with me being in the, in a psychiatric ward, uh, for teenagers, um, when I was 17 and I spent three weeks up there and I met people that were going through, uh, similar stuff as me. I met people with all sorts of, um, problems that they were going through. Um, yeah, it was a, some, yeah, I can relate to this cause I've been in, I was at the Jake. I was at the seventh. I think it's the seventh floor of Methodist, which is like the the child unit uh, psychiatric ward. 
I spent three weeks up there. So this really kind of like resonated with me. And, um, so, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hooked on this show. It's kind of like, it's Jake. It's like, it's like, it reminded me of a much kind of reminded me of, a um, Northern exposure, but in Australia and set in a mental health unit. So, um, I can see that comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, a, and a lot less nineties. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, I'm hooked. I, I, I give this a Tupperware. I am going to, it's eight episodes. I'm going to be watching this. This is, I'm, I'm glad I have a Showtime subscription to watch this show. Um, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, that first episode was an absolute Tupperware for me. Like it really blew me away. Uh, I, I went into it, uh, not knowing anything about the show. And I love the way that they split it up, how it was told through four different characters, you know, eyes, kind of like the same period of time over and over again. And, yeah, yeah. You know, seeing little bits of each story. And, and yeah, that scene with the, with, with Nick playing catch with that, you know, upset patient, that was the first thing that pops into my mind, you know, when, it, when I think about this first episode, because it was such a powerful scene. And man, that, the people in this are really acting their asses off. I mean, everything is very, very believable. The, the character development just in the first episode was great. And there's some, some big twists in it. Kind of like in the middle of it, there's a, a scene that happens that it made me jump up from my seat and yell, what the fuck? Yes, and, I know exactly what you're talking happened. about. And then I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen again? And then at the end of the episode, it was another what the fuck, but like a completely different kind of what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because you get back to that same scene again, and so you're, now it's like, I'm watching it in horror, and I'm not even sitting anymore. I'm standing for this part. Because I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. And then it's, what the fuck is... It, 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 I wanted yeah. to start the second episode so bad, but I looked at the clock, and I was like, I don't have enough time to finish the second episode, so I'm going to save this so I can savor it. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I was dude. not smart like you, Joe. Oh, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm going to be watching this. I mean, I went from not even knowing what this show was. It was just a word on the list. Yeah. To now I, I can't wait to see how this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And it, uh, new episodes drop on Mondays. And it's like, this is like oh, my, this fantastic. is like, yeah, this is like for me, like this is like Mondays is Wakefield, like Wakefield Mondays. I am obsessed with this show. I, and I don't think it's going to get enough eyes on it. I think, and I think that's, I think stars knows that this, it, it was a hit in Australia, and I think they know it's a good show. I just don't Showtime. think Showtime. Yeah, Showtime. People need to be watching this. If you have a Showtime subscription, this is definitely what you need to be watching. Jake, talk to me, Wakefield. Yeah, it's going to be a high taste for me. I liked it quite a lot, but maybe not as much as you guys did. Um, it kind of made me feel confused and stupid at the end of the first episode, and sometimes I resent when when tv or movie makes me feel that way um i knew i didn't have time to finish the second episode but i couldn't help myself and i hit play anyway just because i wanted to see if it would bring bring to light some of the stuff that i was confused about at the end of the first episode and then i forgot how this show tells stories and that i was just going to see something completely different with a patient i hadn't met yet and i was like damn you and then i got sucked into that patient and i i thought the second episode was like a really funny episode in many ways. Like there wasn't much humor to be had in the first episode. Not that that was a bad thing, but I just in the first 25 minutes of the second episode, I I found myself laughing quite a bit. Um, Yeah. I just didn't know at the end of the first episode, like I, I, 
didn't understand what was reality and what wasn't kind of. And I, I feel like maybe that's on purpose. Yeah. I mean, in the synopsis, uh, it says My cat is yelling. I'm sorry. I can totally hear that. Don't don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't. Uh, but as but as his own sanity suddenly starts to slip, he finds himself questioning the line between reality and madness. So there's definitely an okay. element to that with his character, um, just for you know uh, working at this job. But um, I'm I'm just hooked on like the characters and each of these stories of these individual kind of um, people that are living in this mental health unit and how they're dealing with them. And you can tell like the people that care and the people that don't. And, um, yeah, yeah, I really, I I agree. I thought the character work in this was fantastic. I, there were so many characters that I just really fell in love with and really liked. And like, I, I fear for their well-being. Like I want to see these people get help and get better. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of really cool dangling plot threads. Like, I really am interested. You talked about Linda having to suck up so she could potentially keep her job. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, I fucking know, hate un- Linda. Un- yeah, right? Yeah, as unlikable as Linda is for a while, I, I kind of like cheered for Linda during her, uh, <laughs> when she has her like falling down moment and just kind of loses her shit. Like, I, <laughs> Oh man, I've been there with that kind of parking shit and I, I can understand the frustration. Like she kind of did the kind of thing that I, I would dream of doing and not actually do. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard to not fist pump for her a little bit there. Um, and, and you know, when you find out that what might happen to her if she loses the job and what's at stake, it's hard not to feel a little bit of compassion for that character as well. Even uh, if, like, it's too little too late for Linda, in my exactly. opinion. Like, she, she has no <laughs> you compassion. Fucking <laughs> She has no compassion for the people under. As soon as that HR person was like, oh, this job's going to be yours just fine, and providing that all the people under you like you. And it's like, that's what happens when you're a toxic boss. Yes. Fuck you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, Linda. Yeah. I get that. That's a great point. That's a great point. I might have a little bit of Stockholm syndrome for for my career path when I am <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> cheering for Linda. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to keep watching this. I, I'm. Brian, you've watched three episodes? No, uh, they've only dropped two. Okay, okay. I I thought I saw that there was already a third episode. No, they might put the third episode there, but it's locked until Monday. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I, I'm much more intrigued that you've made it through the second episode and you're, you're just as hooked. So, um, And it seems like a small commitment. I think this is Eight. billed as... Yeah. Like a, a limited series, right? I think so. I, I mean... Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going on for season two or if it's a, or if it's just a mini series with eight episodes and it's done, but yeah. And I'm telling you, dude, you can watch the third episode as soon as we finish this podcast. Really? Well, fuck. I'm going to be watching it. it and started playing it. Well, shit. Nice. I'm going to fucking watch it then. God damn it. I didn't know the third episode was out. Um, the next thing you eat, uh, will it be? A hot dog flavored candy cane. Uh, Most likely not. <laughs> no, there's a new there's a new show on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Yeah, it's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. Called the Next Thing You Eat, and uh, I didn't write down the synopsis. I didn't write down anything about this show. Fucking hell! I'm, this is like the next thing you eat. Hold on, now I got to look it up. I didn't write down anything. I'm so unprepared for this. Isn't it like a six-episode documentary series? Yeah, explores the future of food from Chef David Chang. Uh, It's on Hulu. Question, everything you know about food is the tagline. And uh, 
God damn it. I, I watched the first episode. I haven't watched them all. I, I want to get back to this one. Um, the first one is basically kind of like how food delivery has evolved and how the, you know, pandemic has affected it and, 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 uh, gets into, uh, how, how ro- robots are replacing, you know, humans in the kitchen, how it's actually happening today. Uh, it goes into these like fully automated kitchens with artificial intelligence delivery and how that's actually happening today. They've developed, um, they, they developed this thing. Uh, David Chang was, was told about this and he's like, ah, oh, we'll probably see that in the five, six years. And this guy's like, no, they're implementing this now. <laughs> and he's talking on his face when the guy said that. Yeah. So good. And what he's talking about is this, is, is this robotics, this, it's basically, it's, Humans make steaks and when we ask for a steak well done or, or medium rare, like we have to, you know, it's, this, this is an artificial intelligence that will look at the steak. It'll look at the thickness. It looks, it, it, it analyzes the fat content and it will perfectly cook it to the way that you want it. And this is like the future of basically it's like one day it, people are going to say like, I remember when, when humans used to be in the kitchen. Like that's the, that's where we're, you know, like that's, that's, that's where we're going towards one day. And it's almost like it's gonna, like robots and AI are gonna be replacing humans. Not only just in the kitchen, but also when it comes to delivery. And, and you gotta think about like how many people are gonna be out of jobs. And, but there's also, it does get into that human touch and they, you know, there, there's things they show that woman. What was that woman making? And they said like, Oh, pizza. Oh, that pizza looked incredible. Yeah. Today, and it, you could fold it and, and then you could put it in the juice sauce and they're talking like robots can't do that. Robots can't do that. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, like I didn't think a fucking robot could cook a steak perfectly. And this motherfucker's <laughs> telling me it could. I was, this is an, this is, this is intriguing and it's also scary. It's also scary to think about this and, 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 and basically, you know, how much, like, if you can get, if you can get a fucking robot arm to cook your french fries, why do I need that fucking 16 year old kid in the back of McDonald's? This, this robot may cost me 24,000 up front, but on the flip side, he shows up to work every fucking day. I'm going to pay this thing off pretty soon. And, uh, it blew me the fuck away. And it's, I didn't know all, all, I knew this stuff's going on and I know we have DoorDash. I know, we, but I didn't know they had little fucking robots that look like Wally delivering pizza and shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we're like, we're like three steps away from four robotic arms, each with a flashlight on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I found this super intriguing. Um, and, uh, it makes me want to continue to watch this show. It's intriguing, but my God, it's scary. Neil, did you watch this? I did. I watched the first two episodes. What'd you think, man? Uh, I fucking love this. David Chang is, is a great, um, personality. He's very, very interesting and, and he's funny as hell. Yeah. Um, so he, he's a good person to kind of navigate this with. And, uh, yeah, the first one is all about the automation. Uh, I like, I love all the talk about workers and, and, and rights and stuff like that and how the effects of tech and capitalism is affecting, uh, 
low-income earners and all that kind of stuff. And then the second episode is about hamburgers, and it raises a lot of ecological concerns, and uh, like la- it talks about lab-grown meat and all this other stuff, and, and you know sustainable farming practices. So I think it's a really interesting, like holistic view uh, of of the food industry and what new technology is bringing us, but also that by going back to our roots in a lot of ways and using uh, technology from a thousand years ago is also a way forward. And there's a, a, a balance. Like balance seems to be the key um, theme in, in all of this is that we have to find the balance between exploring the new technologies and also keeping that human interaction in touch. And it, it, it's this, this is a Tupperware for me. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm going to finish this out as soon as I can. Because it is fantastic, um, I, I love this show, and I, I like I like the way it's presented, where you have all these thoughts or the, all these ideas that are that are coming to fruition now. But you also have this professional chef coming from his background and, and kind of presenting all of this stuff, and, and then exploring it with with other chefs and other food critics and stuff like that. It's it's really it's a really good show. Gone are the days when you like you get a meal that's c- cooked perfectly, and you say, "My compliments to the chef. Can you bring him out here?" <laughs> and it's like it's like the next thing you know, you're gonna <laughs> Wally. Yeah, no shit. You're gonna have fucking Rob the robot from Nintendo wheeling out there and say, you know, it's like, what the fuck? Alexa made this shit. Oh my god, it's it's insane. Yeah, uh, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, same as Neil. I watched the first two episodes, and this is an absolute Tupperware for me. I, I, I love David Chang. This is watching this show. It feels like listening to a podcast. The amount of casual f bombs he drops in yeah. conversation, yes, even with, like Everybody. industrial experts and stuff. It was. He's like, <laughs> this ain't your daddy's cooking show. Right. He's, like, he's like, wow, so fucking robots are gonna be able to do this? I'm like that's right. <laughs> It was, he's, he's just so conversational with people and, and I think in a way maybe a little bit disarming too because, you know, he's able to tackle these kind of heavy subjects like this and still kind of keep it light and keep it entertaining. And yeah, the first episode was, I mean, it was pretty scary, right? Yeah. And, and also a little mind blowing. I had no idea that, that robotics had gotten so advanced. I mean, it's showing this behind the scenes stuff in these kitchens. And it, it looks like dummy from, from the Iron Man movies, but it's like flipping baskets of fries <laughs> and stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's wild. And when he said that, you know, the, we're not talking about the future, this, this, you know, robot system now. that it's now that it'll use lasers to analyze these cuts of meat and cook them perfectly for you. It's, it, it is a little bit scary, especially when you consider when he's talking about how so many people who are immigrants that come into this country, you know, if they're having a hard time finding work anywhere, traditionally there's there's always been some place in a kitchen that they could get a job. And and so many people started out, you know, maybe just washing dishes and then eventually got to the point where, you know, they're like an award winning chef that'll own multiple kitchens. You know, it's um you know, starting out in a kitchen, it's it's one of those cliche American dream type stories. And if that's something that's gonna be placed replaced with robotics, that's you know, it's scary and it's, it's also sad and, and maybe it's just a, a foregone conclusion that it's how it's going to go. And, and that's really how the episode kind of leaves off, you know, with them enjoying this awesome looking pizza and this robot <laughs> just robot rolling up to them. Up. Yeah. And then it just goes to credits and I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's wild. <laughs> Next episode, Skynet. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, the guy that started off flipping burgers. I don't know. I, I try to keep up with robots and personal robotics and artificial intelligence. I couldn't tell you everything about it, but I tr- do try to keep up with it. But I mean, just a few years ago, just you can watch videos from like, have you have you ever seen the Honda Simo? Oh, Google the Honda Simo robot. It's, it's that robot that can do like somersaults and shit. Yeah. It okay, went, then yes, I have seen it. That thing is insane. Like, just is that the one that's playing Spider Man at Disney World right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm serious. There's no, a robotic yeah. Spider Man that does fucking somersaults. And yeah, and, I've 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 heard yeah. of that, but that's insane. Uh, yeah, I'm not even joking. Yeah, there's, there's a, a whole routine like crawling down a building and swinging around and stuff. It's wild. But it is wild. The Honda Sima, like, well, just wait until the military can weaponize these things. Like, Dude, did you see that are. they took these little ones that look like dogs and they mounted a high-powered sniper rifle to them? It's basically yes. like Metalhead from from uh, Black Mirror. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah who thought that was a fucking good idea? <laughs> I mean, we hear about... Yeah. What we hear about is, like, the stuff that's going to make our lives easier. And it's like, like, okay, on the flip side with robotics, what the fuck is the military going to do with them? That's scary. Oh, here's the thing. Did you hear about the... the okay, we've got drones. Did you hear about... um they're going to be putting drones. This is something – it's a concept idea. They're, they're thinking about putting drones on your headlights on your car that will – you'll still have your headlights on your car, but these drones will – if you're on a dark road, these drones basically will fucking lift off your car, go forward on the path that you're on, and they will shine a light, you know, maybe, huh. you know, like – 25, 50 feet in front of you so you can see more of the road. Like Basically to extend the range of your headlights. That's crazy. Yes, yes. And then once you got off that that road, you can then basically pull them back on, you know, like when a Roomba, Roomba goes back to its charging station. <laughs> so, so now the drones will then come back to your car. Like this is, this is like shit that, that they, they're developing now. It's so futuristic. It's sounding. something that can pop off your car, maintain a highway speed in front of you. Yeah. Well, wow. I remember. I remember. I remember back in 1992 watching this commercial, and I can't remember who. Maybe it was Philips Magnavox or somebody had a commercial, and they were talking about this future, future technology of one day you'll be able to pause live TV. And I was blown away by that <laughs> back in 1992. Same. And then by I like, remember not being able to wrap my mind around it. Like, how does yeah, that work? Yeah. And then you know, <laughs> and then next thing you know, TiVo comes out, and it's like you know it. it and yeah, it's it, and now we're talking about fucking drones like flying off your car and lighting the road in front of you. You don't need to turn your brights on anymore. You just have fucking <laughs> drones lighting your path. That's insane. Or you can use the drone if you have to get out of the car, if you have to pull over to the side of the road, it'll follow you and light your way as you're like going somewhere. So, you know, it, it's crazy. It's crazy what they're what they're who who did I not ask about this show? Jake, have you talked about it? No, not much. Um yeah, I liked it quite a lot. Uh it was a high taste it for me. I, I thought um the host what is it, David Chang? David Chang. He he was he was great. Um I really thought it was fascinating how he kind of did the whole uh DoorDash thing like two years before it really had its boom. Like he was ahead of his time yeah. like in 2018 trying to do all the uh, phone app website delivery service. Like he was just a little bit too early to get in on it. And uh, 
I was shocked to find out that none of those companies make money, that they lose so much money between your Uber Eats and your DoorDash. And um, I forget what the other big one is. But, um, yeah, it, that's crazy to me. Like, there's such – I don't know if anyone's used those services before, but they upcharge the shit out of the food. So I, I was convinced they were making some pretty good cash. But, no, apparently not. Uh, the, the workers, the company, it seems like – no wonder these robots are going to be done as quick as they're going to be done because these companies can't just bleed money forever. Like they, they need that next level technology to be able to be a successful, viable company, it seems. So I, I was really blown away by that. And just the idea of technology replacing jobs is very fascinating to me. I, um, I work in a very small town grocery store and just three weeks ago, we installed our very first self-checkout center, and it's been a topic of much controversy between our uh, our customers. You know, we have a lot every single day now for the last three weeks. It's, I won't ever use the self-checkout. They take away jobs. And they kind of address that in this show. It's much like the ATM example that they showed in the first episode. The, the self-checkout has actually increased the amount of hours and the amount of employees we're able to devote to the front end because of you still have the checkout lanes and now you have people that have to attend the self-checkout. So like for as much fear mongering as there is to how the self-checkout is eliminating jobs, it's actually increasing the jobs. I don't know if that's the same in every market in every store, but at least in our store, it's, it's added to the amount of hours that we get to use. So it is just a wild thing to think about how far technology has come. In fact, Later on, I believe in February 2022, we were getting a robot called Tally, who is a robot that goes up and down the aisles and scans all the tags of products that you're out of. It's like replacing the job of walking around and ordering the items. It's going to do all the ordering as like an auto-assist ordering program. Um, they actually just came in last week and made its like charging home that it has to return to when it's done doing its job. So have you seen, have you, have you seen the fucking the robotic floor cleaner at Sam's club? We have that too. I, I was, I'm one of two people at our store that is trained how to use the robotic floor cleaner. I, you and, know, I remember the fucking robotic lawn mowers when they first came out and I didn't see them and then cut to, like two years ago, I see it a lot more. I'll be driving around and all of a sudden you'll see like this, like it looks like, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but yeah, you'll see like a, this, this thing with wheels going around and it's, and, uh, they've, they've kind of, they've, they've gridded, um, your, your lawn and this thing will just go out like a Roomba instead of cleaning the floors. It actually is like clipping your lawn and like mowing your lawn. And then when it's done, it goes back to its charger like a Roomba and they've got these robotic lawnmowers that kind of like blew me away. I knew they existed, but I'd never seen one working. Now I've seen them. I've seen them out in the wild. Like, holy shit. These are fucking robots. Fucking that'd be incredible. That'd be incredible. Just fucking like, you know, uh, app on your phone, turn it on. And uh, it goes out there and fucking mows your lawn, and you come home, you got your your lawn's mowed. Because there's fucking days I just don't have time to mow my goddamn lawn. And right. <laughs> I got to, yeah, I got to block off time. I actually, on Kickstarter, I backed uh, this robot called Scout, and um, it is uh, it's an autonomous robot that when you when you leave, you can have it roll around your house and 
and check for movement. It'll do like, and, and so like if, if someone comes into my house, this thing's got like a motion detector to where, uh, and video feed to where if it senses motion, it'll send like something to my phone and I can, I can check on my house when I'm gone. And so I kickstarted this thing. I should get it. I should get it here within the next few months, but yeah, it, it's a, it's autonomous and like, it'll, it'll just go down. I, I can set the path that it'll go on and, um, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's called scout. If you want to look it up on Kickstarter. Yeah, I remember when neat. you talked about that the first time and looking it up, that thing was pretty wild looking. Yeah. 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 I can't wait to get it. <laughs> so, it's one of those future is now type inventions. Yeah. I was blown away that they've got fucking like these little, it looks like an Alexa thing and it, um, but you put like cat and dog treats in it and it's got a camera on it and you can talk to your animal when you're gone and then this thing will spit out treats for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got something like that and it, you can actually make it do like a laser pin too and you can like play with your cat with the laser pin while you're not at home yeah yeah i've seen those cool. <laughs> i've seen those i actually i have a laser pen and i just play with my cats with that oh we have a laser <laughs> pen as well too it's one of the most fun things you can do with the cats yeah because sure. <laughs> cake is getting a little the cake is getting a little chunky and so i'll use the laser pen and we'll work him out a little bit <laughs> Just He's, to trick him into doing exercise. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, we do yeah. the same That's thing so with Maui. Funny. He needs the exercise as well, and it's like, all right, boy, it's time for some laser pen. He he doesn't gain <laughs> weight. My other cat doesn't gain a lot of weight because that motherfucker loves to chew on plastic, and when he does, he vomits. So Aww. yeah. Oh yeah. Here's my night. Here's my fucking night. I go to watch last night in Soho. I got mm, that motherfucker the entire time. Um, <laughs> then I fucking come home and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm home. Let's just relax. I step in cat puke. All right. Oh, no. Yeah. And then after that, I'm like, okay, let me catch the end of the Bulls game. They're four and zero. Then the fucking Knicks beat them in the last. It, it was one hundred four to one hundred three. I was like, fuck this day, fuck this day. <laughs> So, oh, that motherfucker! Just he, step in the cat puke, just in bare socks. Bare socks, yeah. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, oh. I get home. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick off my shoes. Oh, here, oh, and then, oh, motherfucker! <laughs> God damn it! I flipped the fuck out too. <laughs> <laughs> I was so pissed. I was like, I was not, I was not pissed at he he. I was just pissed at the situation. Yeah, just uh, all the things piling up. Yes, yes, yes. He he was he was he he was not the target of my wrath. It was just like I was like motherfucker. I just I lost my shit. <laughs> oh man! Did anybody watch uh, Fairfax on uh, Amazon Prime Video? The it's an irreverent animated comedy following the misadventures of 13-year-olds Dale, Derricka, Benny, and Truman, four best friends on a never-ending quest for clout. It's a modern look at the timeless struggle to be cooler than you are, to fit in while standing out, and what it feels like to wait in line for a pair of sneakers you're never going to cop. And uh, it's an animated show. It's on Amazon Prime Video. stars Kiersey Clemens, Skylar Gisondo, Peter S. Kim, Rob Delaney, and... Uh, I watched two episodes. Anybody else watch any of this? 
I watched the I first episode. I did not episode. get a chance to watch this. I'm sorry, Joe. I watched half of the first episode. Okay, Neil, you hated this. <laughs> I, I, I fucking hated this. This was this was not for me. If you loved it, that's great. Enjoy it. I was out. I I, I know it's satirizing a lot of the stuff in the in, that they're talking about, but it was still really irritating to me. So I, I just ducked. <laughs> Neil, I'm right there with you. Like even though it is a satire, like I fucking couldn't stand everything that was going on it's in this. so annoying. Like, all this shit is just so annoying. Kids with their fucking Instagram, Insta, and the followers, and you gotta get oh, the new Jesus. gotta get the new gear, and you gotta wait in line to get this fucking new gear that's a Dr. Phil limited edition shirt, and you're just, oh. you're getting it because it's fucking ironic, but it's just like, you know, I just, what? I... Fuck this show. It is not for me. And maybe if you're Once, a fucking 13 or a 14 year old, yeah. maybe you'll like it, but. Once Dr. Phil showed up, I was like, I, no. And the fuck Dr. Phil. Exactly. No shit. <laughs> well, he is Son. a piece of shit. So, didn't he fucking, he had, uh, when she was still alive, it was, uh, Margot Kidder and she had like her struggles with mental health and he fucking basically brought her on the show just to exploit her. Yeah. I think it was Dr. Phil. I could, I, yeah, he's a piece of shit anyway. Sounds like Dr. Phil. You said exploiting. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He did, he did, um, he was, he had a guy on and you can watch this video and I've talked about it on PCL before, but if you've never seen this, I highly, highly recommend watching this on YouTube. Dr. Phil exploits people and then tries to bring like this, like mental, like he's there to help these people. But in all actuality, he's just exploiting people and he was getting this guy on there that fucking does these, he did these terrible exploitive uh exploitative uh videos for bum fights and he oh, would yeah, he yeah. would this guy would pay um homeless people to fight each other and and then he he was making like a a kid, so much money off of selling these fucking videos at the time anyway dr phil invites him on the show and this guy shaved his head bald and yeah. made it look just like and he dressed up like he was dr phil <laughs> and his whole point was to fucking talk about how Dr. Phil is no different than he is. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's like, he basically wanted Dr. Phil to look in a mirror. And so he made himself look like Dr. Phil down at the mustache, the shaved his head. And Dr. Phil knew what he was doing and kicked him off the show and said, I'm not going to listen to this idiot. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's because Brilliant. Dr. Phil knew that this guy was fucking yeah this 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 yeah, guy was, was right he yeah that you do the exact same fucking thing that I do and then try to put this positive mental outlook on things and it's all bullshit you're you're all you're you're no different than Jerry Springer you're no different than me fucking paying bums to fight each other there's nothing different between the two of us. <laughs> and Dr. Phil, you can watch this video. It is unreal. And it's actually pretty. on Reddit. It was, the, the dude's costume was spot on. It yes. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, so we're supposed to be talking about Fairfax, but the show is trash. So. Yeah, I toss it. <laughs> I obviously toss it. it. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I only watched the first episode, and I was like, I think that this might have an audience for someone, and I appreciate that it's making fun of this vapid, you know, yeah. Instagram 
celebrity type status shit. And, but I mean, overall, there's just a lot going on in this show. And I, I didn't get what was going on with the pigeons, but I thought it was kind of funny. And I, and I think that's JB Smooth. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, dude who played Violator in the Spawn movie. John Leguizamo, yeah. yeah. It's uh, like the pigeons, I think, were my favorite part of the show, but they're only in it for like seconds at a time. I love John. John Leguizamo has like this huge body of work, and you go to the violator from Spawn. I I know. What was funny is that when I said it, I was like, it's hilarious that this is my poll for this guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was his first one that popped into my head. I'm glad you said that, Brian. I had the same thought. <laughs> he does have a huge body of really fucking great. I could have said like the the the, the body shop guy from yeah. John Wick. Yeah, let me let me go to let me Sam. Let me go to like his most famous role, <laughs> the one that he wants to be remembered for. <laughs> Yeah, you know Bob Hoskins, the guy that was Mario in the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> uh, you know who? You know who? John Leguizamo doesn't not want Joe Stark to do his live funeral speech. <laughs> John Leguizamo was in that too. I forgot about that. He was Luigi. <laughs> he was. That's what I should have said. He was Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost just as bad. Yeah, I think it's worse. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, so you were not a fan of this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Okay. Listen to some of these descriptions of episodes here. Uh, yeah, pi- the pilot. 13-year-old Dale and his family move to Fairfax where he's welcomed into the gang gang as they hunt down the latest must-have latrine drop, the Dr. Phil box tea. And then episode two is titled, episode two, two is titled Big Pains. And it's, and it, and it's when Melody throws a pool party to celebrate her verified status on social media. Truman helps Dale gain followers to get into the party while Derricka puts Benny on a super cleanse. Um, episode five is titled, uh. episode five is titled Chernobyl Fest. The gang gang goes to Chernobyl Fest, a music festival of pollution and radiation hosted by Young Polluter and the Litter Gang. <laughs> I love that. I've got, uh, guys, it's already been ordered for a season two. Oh. <laughs> so we can't get glow season fucking three, but we're getting season two of fucking uh, what what is this called? Fairfax. 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 Yeah. Fairfax. Fairfax can go fair fucks itself. Fuck that show. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Oh man. We. I want to have the the Joe Stark John Leguizamo retrospective episode. Yeah, I would listen. <laughs> It stops at spawn. That's the last episode. <laughs> There's just like a little footnote of like, yeah, he played Luigi. Yeah, yeah. Skips right over, do the right thing. <laughs> That'll be a we'll, we'll do Joe, we'll do a Patreon episode. How's that sound? <laughs> All right, guys. Um kind of an abbreviated news section this week. Um I know it doesn't sound like I'm sick, but my, I'm, I'm just talking to good friends and so I'm trying to just 
Jake, I, I'm I'm so brave, aren't I? I'm, I'm, you are the bravest person <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hey, can, can we break? Are you serious, dude? I I, I drink a lot of coffee. Jesus. <laughs> We're entering a territory where I have to I have to be present for every segment, so there's no more hitting mute and peeing. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, we we do like to keep it professional around here. All right, all right. We'll obviously. be obviously. We'll be right back. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon All right, hey, we are back, Jake. I, you know how I do? I do a soap subscription that I've talked about before. Yes. Yeah. So every every, I think it's like every three months or so, I have it set up to. I get new soaps sent to me in the mail from Doctor Squatch, and they had, uh, they have like, they have different uh, scents and shit like that. Um, you know, like I don't know sandalwood or what. I don't know what the fuck. You know, rum. You yeah, you'll, you'll smell like one of those fucking bums that guy made fight each other shit so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, no they did they did something really cool they had star wars inspired soaps and so i finally oh, I got saw them. those i saw those yeah i got the dark side scrub and it's got darth vader on the front and then i got the wisdom wash with uh yoda it's a green it's a green soap and then i got the uh ruthless rinse it's a red soap with Darth Maul. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, and then... Did you, like, split it up? Like, I would do, like, left nut with the dark side, right side with Yoda. Oh, no, I haven't thought about balance, that. Balance the force <laughs> on your nut sack? I haven't thought, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> no. I, I usually just... I, I'm, waiting for the, I'm waiting for the Jar Jar bar so I can wipe my ass. <laughs> I'll use the Jar Jar bar to wash my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Misa think of you a stinky whiff. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but no, they did a, and they get, they did another one. It's like an Obi-Wan Kenobi New Hope one. It's a blue one. That's coming in my next shipment. And then they have a limited edition, uh, Spartan Rinse, which is a, a Halo inspired, uh, bar that I'm going to get in my next shipment. That's cool. Yeah, I, it, it's some interesting product placements. I, I saw the Darth Maul bar and it was fucking awesome. Like yeah. it actually had like the like black ridges, like his makeup on it and everything. Yeah, yeah, oh, cool. Yep. Keep this thing off Twitter, like Ray Park, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be filming your shower. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, what's the Spartan one smell like? Three hundred guys. 
<laughs> he said it was. He said it was Halo, and I was like, "Oh." Uh. <laughs> Joe quickly canceled his order. <laughs> tonight, tonight we dine on your ballsack. Mm. The, 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 the violator rents with John Leguizamo. <laughs> It smells like cotton candy and whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. Uh, Time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right. Uh, News from Daily Mail. Uh, Take this with a grain of salt. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge could replace Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones after starring alongside him in next year's film. She is set to star as Indiana Jones' sidekick next year in Harrison Ford's last outing as the adventurer. Now Phoebe Waller-Bridge is being tipped to replace the veteran actor as a female version of the fictional professor of archaeology in the adventure movie franchise. This is like, this is not a new rumor. It's just coming back a little bit stronger now. The film industry is awash with rumors that the Fleabag star will take over as the main adventure, making her the first female-led lead since the Disney-made movies began in 1981 with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Insiders claim Kathleen Kennedy, the Hollywood producer behind the franchise, is keen to make big, bold changes with few bigger than switching the lead character to a woman. One said, it would be a huge statement and a great role for Phoebe. So I, I'm I'm still considering the source here, uh, and I, I take this with a grain of salt. I I mean I as far as like her being the next Indiana Jones, I don't think I don't think this is gonna be like passing the mantle of Indiana Jones. If she does get her own series, I think it'll be just this character, kind of like with what happened with uh, the Rocky movies. Then it turned into the Creed franchise. Maybe they could do something like that with this here. But I'm still not even convinced that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh, she doesn't seem like the type that would commit to a franchise like that and be like the poster child for Indiana Jones. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But, yeah, I, I'm just not buying it. So uh, we'll we'll see. I would have a problem if they started calling her Indiana Jones. I think, yeah, but I agree with you that it's going to be more like the like the Creed, like it's going to be in the universe. Yeah, but she's not going to be like Indiana Jane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Jane Deanna Jones. <laughs> Jane Deanna Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't trust the Daily Mail to do any accurate reporting. So right. I, 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 even in the article, they talked about how she was dressed like an architect, not an archaeologist. So if that's the fact-checking that they have going on, uh, <laughs> they need to get their facts straight. Well, how, how does an architect dress? I don't know, but that's what they said in the article was she dressed like an architect. And the, obviously they meant archaeologist. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even potato offer. potato. I remember yeah, like architects, archaeologists. Do they right? do they dress? Do they what was it? Uh, the, the, the 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 Brady Bunch? The father on the Brady Bunch was an architect. So is they, are they are they gonna are they gonna they're gonna dress like him? <laughs> For an afro. Exactly. She's gonna get a she's gonna get a perm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it, it's yeah. I, I, I don't. Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, and this has yeah. this has nothing to do with you know trying to uh, uh, say that a that 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 a female can't be an adventurer. That has no. That has, no. 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 But uh, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. There's just certain characters that that I don't I I, I just don't want to see replaced. And uh, I mean, I, it's fine if you're doing like a young Indiana Jones series and and things like that. But and if they wanted, I don't. If they wanted to have the story go ahead and have her be like another character for you know another trilogy or quadrilogy or however many movies they want. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm with Jake. I don't see her wanting to take up to do to do something with such a huge time commitment for her when she could be doing other things i mean she's she's kind of like the modern day carrie fisher when it comes to her talent she can you know she can carrie fisher go ahead great performer and a great writer yeah Uh, she can do it all and it seems like she's super creative on her own and i would think that she'd want to pursue a lot more uh diverse uh, aspects of her creativity rather than just be tied down to this giant franchise where she has very little creative say. Yeah. And then trying to fill the shoes of, for as much as I, I and I love Michael B. Jordan and I love that first Creed movie. There, I mean, it, and I, I, they're two great stories, but man, just, just even trying to, I mean, if you poll people like who, what movie they like more, Rocky or Creed, I think, you know, I think a lot more people are going to be a lot more attached to Rocky. It's that original character. You know, that's it's that original story. Um, but I love Creed for what it was. So I don't know, man. I just don't. It, those are hard shoes to fill for anybody when when you have and I'm talking about I'm talking about iconic. I'm talking about iconic characters. I'm not talking about like what Matt Reeves did with like the Planet of the Apes franchise. Right. I'm talking about iconic characters trying to replace them. I'm, I'm talking like Timothy Chalamet has his work cut out for him trying to replace uh, Gene Wilder as Wonka. Good luck, mm-hmm. kid. Good yeah. luck. You're, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You are a f- fantastic actor, but good fucking luck. That's all I can say. I mean – they already tried it once with Johnny Depp and it did not work. Yeah, it was it, it, a huge fail in oh. my opinion. And and if you it hold on and if you love that Johnny Depp one, you were five fucking years old when you saw that movie. <laughs> Everybody else that was a an adult that watched that uh, for the first time, you know, you know, you'll, I'll I'll even hear younger kids saying, "Oh, I like that new Karate Kid with the uh, with Will Smith's kid more than the original." It's like. Are, the only way you like that movie is if you were fucking seven years old watching that one. Yeah, that movie did big business, so I could see that having a big audience in that age group. Well, I, yeah, well, you got Jackie Chan in there, too. So, I mean, that's yeah. a big name. Anyway, uh, more Indiana Jones talk. Uh, the set pictures that we talked about taken in Italy with the boat full of Roman gla- gladiators. There Now people are saying... Some people are saying this could be a time travel scene. Uh, viewer Anon, who is a big leaker on Reddit and now is on Twitter, said, I heard this a couple months ago, but I couldn't believe it. But just, but someone just confirmed, and I feel like I need to say this out loud. Indiana Jones 5 is a time travel movie? Question mark. 
yeah. So, um, <laughs> let, we can get into this. There's pictures that have been taken. Phoebe Waller Bridge has been, they've, 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 they've taken pictures of her shooting scenes for this movie with Harrison Ford on location in Sicily. Um, and, she was spotted dragging Harrison Ford out of a ditch before collapsing exhaustedly with him in the mud. While the plot is still shrouded in secrecy, the sequence appeared to feature Indiana in some kind of peril with Phoebe's character coming to rescue. Uh, yet also on set were a group of actors dressed as Roman gladiators. Uh, Phoebe, no stranger to action franchises, having lent her pen to the most recent James Bond movie. <clears throat> no Time to Die, plays Indiana's assistant in the film. Uh, she looked the part, dressed in architect garb. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Stone slacks, mahogany boots, and a white blouse. She was seen in uh, some shots with a fedora, mirroring the legendary character's classic costume. Uh, her ensemble was covered in dirt as she struggled around on the ground with Hollywood legend Harrison Ford. Uh, he appeared in a chocolate jumpsuit with parachute pack strapped to his back. Chocolate, <laughs> ch- chocolate jumpsuit. Yum. <laughs> Speaking of Willy Wonka, coming yeah. <laughs> coming down the catwalk now is Harrison Ford dressed in a chocolate jumpsuit. Now, uh, <laughs> as he turns there, you could see the parachute pack strapped to his back. Chocolate parachute. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> chocolate jumpsuit. Get the fuck out of here. Presume ar- architect. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <clears throat> Dressed like an architect. Yeah. How's an architect with procra- pro- protractors like hanging off their oh. body? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so I did have this like earrings. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Uh, presumably the scene sees Indiana jump from a plane with his assistant dragging him out of a ditch after landing on the ground, but also on set were the Roman gladiator looking characters rowing a large boat on the nearby river getting off they're jerking off what (laughs) getting no getting off getting off off and brandishing swords and shields uh this comes after a leak online hinted that the film features time travel this would make sense with earlier sequences appearing to feature a younger incarnation of indiana jones and some sets decorated as if it were the war um a Twitter rumor materialized this week suggesting the action will partially take place in various eras of the past. A Twitter account run by an anonymous movie insider known to tease accurate details of upcoming films penned. I heard this a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, that was viewer A9. Uh, the tweeter added enthusiastically, by the way, this sounds nuts and unexpected, and I'm totally down for it. Last Crusade and Crystal Skull follow the Raiders formula to the letter, so getting wacky and playing with the format for the last movie could be really exciting. Um, Yeah, the soldiers were lining up behind a barricade and charging forward swords in the air. Um, I think it... Time travel? Fuck off! Um... Joe, didn't you say on a previous episode that he could just be like landing in this time period in Sicily where they're filming a gladiator movie? That's what I was. That's what Jake was saying. Okay. Yeah. I hope that that's the case because time travel, it's like, oh man, that might be a bridge too far. 
Like yeah, even, I mean, alien, even for the staunchest indie fans, it might be a bridge too far. The whole thing's already ruined and tarnished already. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with this writer. Um, just fucking go for it, I guess. I I'm not offended in any way if they do time travel. I mean, after the last movie, I, I just don't give a fuck. If it's going to be good, then use whatever fucking device you have to. I don't care. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want time travel in the in the final movie. I like I like the the fucking. I don't know, like the old historical fucking MacGuffins. I the religious stuff. Yeah. That's, that's more I mean, in can't, line with his character. Can't time travel bring that stuff to the forefront too? I mean, you know, can it be both time travel and, you know, religious artifacts and history? Can it, I, can it just be religious artifacts without the time travel too? Yeah. Or, can it just or, have ended after Last Crusade? I mean, I'm, here's the thing. The I, here's the thing, though. It's like we've got a completely different director on this one, and I think you know, um, oh, what's his name from uh, Logan? Oh, James Mangold. James there Mangold, and I, I think he's a great director. Ford, uh, Ford v Ferrari, um, Logan. I think he's a great director. I don't want to see this guy thrown into. Some bullshit, and I don't want Indiana Jones' last outing to be this terrible fucking movie with dumb time travel. And I want it to be good. I want him to go out on a high note. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I'm just hoping for a watchable movie that I'll want to watch more than once, and whatever it takes, I don't care. I mean, we've got Antonio Banderas in this movie. We've got Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, the the cast is stacked. You got a great director. Harrison Ford's gonna die in a few years. I mean, and if it's if it's not of natural causes, it's, it's gonna be fucking crashing a plane. Crashing a plane or yeah. the, I was laughing when you were reading that description, talking about him jumping out of the plane with a parachute. <laughs> I was like, well, he must have been flying the plane. He yeah, jump out of it, guys. This sure is these are really set photos. Yeah, this yeah. is this this was just him showing up to work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the title is going to reveal a lot. I don't think yeah. if there's time travel involved in this, I think it's going to be in your face in whatever the title of this movie is. I think speculation will be over once we get a title, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indiana Jones and the time traveling bullshit. Mm. <laughs> At least they'd be honest that way. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, God damn it, I just want to. Nothing's gonna top fucking Raiders or Last Crusade, whichever you put it one and two, because like I can go either way. It just depends on the day. Yeah, but, agreed, dude. It's hard to top those. But, in, in so yeah. in in so many years later, with, with Harrison Ford being so much older, I don't. Maybe, maybe Jake will be right. You know, hey, just throw something wacky at the wall, and if it's a movie that we can watch more than once, then call it a win. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, nothing's gonna top. Raiders or and I know that, but I just I, I do want a good movie, but I could do without time travel. Um Neil, you brought up you know, you know the the religious artifacts and stuff like that. That's kind of like what I was wanting. I mean, and there's so many different stories that they could pull from. There, so many different books were written, and you've got the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles that show that came out, and I mean Harrison Ford made appearances on that show. They show him as like a 90 year old 
Indiana Jones with an eye patch and and I remember that. <laughs> I want to see where he gets the eye patch. Yeah, let's see him right? fucking lose his eye in this thing. It's a cat. Spoiler. Yeah, it's <laughs> flurkin. Please, it's a flurkin. Not for Indiana Jones. It's not. <laughs> Let's jump into uh, all we got left is Marvel news. Marvel news. Let's talk about this fucking uh, Marvel news. Let's talk about this fucking Eternals Rotten Tomatoes score because I'm going to get on Rotten Tomatoes right now and see what it's at currently because it was at 60% earlier. Yeah, it's still sitting at 60%. And if you don't know, it's it's at a fresh rating right now, but it had dipped below 60%. So if you're at 59, you're at a rotten score. It's right on the verge of uh of of either going you know it could go either way at this point it could go back down this is the lowest rated marvel film to date uh even lower than thor the dark world um this is the lowest one to date and yes it's easy to say i'm just going to see this movie and make my own judgment i I'm gonna do the same fucking thing too. If I would have watched, if I would have fucking based my rating for Venom off of the critics' judgment, I would have fucking tossed it. But I, I love the first Venom movie. Um, I'm gonna wait and see on this one. But that score, it is. You got to look at that with a little bit of caution going into Turtles. What is the movie too ambitious? Did Kevin Feige make the right hire? With Chloe Zhao being, you know, she's a, comes from indie films. She, she made Nomadland with, with Francis McDormand, this, you know, beautiful independent film. I thought it was fantastic. But is this the right person to helm a Marvel movie and a Marvel movie where you are balancing 10 different characters plus new villains and celestials? Is this was this the right choice? We're gonna find out next week when Eternals comes out. But I do think there's a little bit of caution with this score. This is this could be a huge miss from Marvel here, and it saddens me because I love uh, I'm I'm in love with a lot of this cast. I, I you know you got the you got mm-hmm. the you got the um, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. You've got uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. You've got dude from fucking Trade of Busan, Ma Dong Siak. I mean, I think he's great. Who did you say, Neil? Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan, who I've loved Gemma Chan since uh, the the humans uh, humans on AMC. I you know Lauren Ridloff from The Walking Dead. I think she is amazing. She was also in uh, Sound of Metal. I love her. But sixty percent for a Marvel movie. It's a little concerning. Um, thoughts, uh, Joe? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said that this hasn't had me worried ever since this news came out. I mean, regardless, I've already got my tickets bought for for opening night, so you know I'll I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> but yeah, to to hear this kind of buzz around an MCU movie before it's coming out, it's you know it's it, well, part of it. It's troubling is that it's just not that normal. This is not something that we usually hear. I mean, 
I know Shang-Chi was like a little bit, you know, people were kind of a little bit hesitant to that before it came out. But then as soon as all the critics reviews started coming in, you know, it was, hey, people are really liking this. This is, this isn't something that we needed to be worried about. And then with this movie having the exact opposite reaction, you know, going in, who the hell knew, knew much about the Eternals? There are not very many people I think that have, have read those books and, for it to have this sort of news in front of it, I, I think the fact that it's an MCU offering is going to carry it through regardless because, you know, it's an MCU movie. But oh, maybe it is too ambitious to have this big of a cast unless they're really only going to focus on like a couple players in it and have the others just be more ancillary characters that kind of come and go out of the plot. You know, even though they are Eternals, maybe they're just going to focus on a couple of them. But yeah, if they try and spread this out too much, I mean, this could be just a convoluted movie that's just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Neil? Yeah, I mean, I know nothing about the Eternals other than that they exist. Um, and it does seem like the cast is too large to introduce them all properly. Um, but that being said... I don't think a movie could be worse than Thor The Dark World. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, I mean, again, yeah, as you said, we, we have to watch it and see it for ourselves because, uh, you know, you talked about Venom. Like, I love that movie, too. I thought it was super fun. But it wasn't a great movie. Yeah. 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 Um, so if this is along the same lines, who knows what we're going to get. Uh, and... I, I do think that there is some Marvel fatigue amongst critics specifically. Maybe not so much the audiences, but I, I think that there is kind of a, a negative bias that's starting to show up amongst critics specifically. Um, I, I, I In the past, when I was listening to podcasts, I was listening to Unspooled and, and uh, Paul Shear's co-host, uh, Amy something or other, I can't remember her name, Amy Nicholson. She fucking hates Marvel movies, and she's like a big-time movie critic. So I, I think there's there's a negative bias that's been creeping into uh, professional reviewers for a while now. What's interesting, though... Kind of like a... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I was pretty much done. Anyway. Well, what's interesting <laughs> about what you're saying, though, is like, yeah, these professional critics and like, you know, like they're... They're, you know, they, they, they don't like the Marvel movies, but on the flip side, you've got a director here who is a critic darling. Like, people, the critics loved Nomadland. And you'd think that, like, if she's giving us something different here, they'd be like, yes, this is the Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie. But Chloe Zhao brought a different vision. And I'm hearing that here, but I'm hearing it, I'm hearing a lot that it's not working. <laughs> and I hate to, I don't want to put the blame on the director having not seen this. And she's also a screenwriter on this. I don't want to put the blame on her. And I think that I, I love the fact that Kevin Feige thinks out of the box, brings in guys like the Russo brothers that, you know, come from a comedy background, but also doesn't leave them hanging and brings in like, you know, the stunt coordinators from the John Wick films to help them with the action right. scenes. Cause like these guys, they're used to fucking like, you know, uh, directing Joel McHale and Jason <laughs> Bateman in comedy. They're not used to doing the action stuff. I don't feel like Chloe Zhao is left alone on this. So like, I'm not putting all the blame on her at all, but it just, a lot of what I'm 
a lot of what I'm hearing from the critics is they are putting a little bit of the blame on her. I'm hearing Kumail Nanjiani is amazing in this movie. But I am worried about like this this huge ensemble cast. Even the Russo brothers, when they took on Civil War, had the luxury of us spending time with these characters before. This is a lot of introductions. A lot of introductions. And I, I do know that Amy Nicholson specifically was angry that Chloe Zhao was doing this movie. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> she, she probably wants she probably wants to see her do more independent and creative driven. Uh, movies than to, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, fucking, uh, Ryan Coogler taking on Black Panther, you know, it's like we've seen this guy do Fruitvale Station and like, and same thing with Ryan Johnson taking on Star Wars. Like these guys, when they do stuff, you know, they're, they're independent, creator focused stuff. It's just fantastic. And you want to see more of that. And this, these kind of like, uh, Marvel movies take away from that shit. So. I get that, but yeah, part of me is curious to see what a fucking, the director of Nomadland, what could she do with a Marvel movie? This is gonna be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Jake. Yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, it's hard not to be a little bit worried seeing this kind of reaction. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what Neil's saying though. I, I think fatigue may be sitting in for the critics, and I, I agree that People might just be bitter that someone they really love is doing a Marvel movie that they're already, like, prone to not like. So, I I don't know. I I would like to think that critics would be more professional than that. But I think sometimes it's hard not to let your, like, bias seep through. Like, you just have that initial, like, way you feel about something and you let it affect your your review and your rating. Um, It would be interesting to see, though, the rotten ratings for... This movie and the critics that gave it rotten ratings and then compare their ratings with other Marvel films. I want to see that fucking, I want to see that chart. Like, what did they think of Shang-Chi? What did they think of Endgame, Infinity War? What did they think of Ragnarok? Because, like, this is the lowest we've ever seen a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see this movie. Yeah, I, ten new characters is a lot to juggle. Uh, the movie is, uh, you know, like two hours and 37 minutes long. So, I mean, maybe possibly they can do that juggling act. Um, I'm worried about the villain. The villain just looks to be like CGI bad guys. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I think Marvel, put, they focus so much on their origin stories and their heroes that a lot of the times the villain is kind of put on the back burner. And I hear that it seems the, like there's a very good chance that that's happening here. I hear that the third act is just one of those mindless kind of like action scenes with, you know, these villains and a lot of people are shitting on that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Yeah. I've heard the same thing. I think a lot of people had that reaction to Shang-Chi. Uh, I disagree with it, but I, I have seen a lot of negativity towards the final act of that movie. Yeah. So I, I could see the onset of that. That felt like trolling. Happening. That felt like trolling to me because it, it was fucking phenomenal. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had to turn off the audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie already. Because it was just getting bombed by fucking assholes. Uh, just nonstop. Yeah, so they yeah. had to shut that off completely. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's... Even if it is a misstep for Marvel, I don't think it's... I think people are hankering to go to the movies again. And I think it's going to be a financial blockbuster, whether or not the general consensus is if it's good or bad. It'll be interesting to see, though. I know... I, how this movie does, how it's received, 
And if this director returns for Eternals 2. Yeah, and just the ripple and ripple effect in general, I'm curious to see. Like, I, I think Feige is smart, and if a large, very large portion of people dislike this movie, what potentially will that do to what some of his future plans are? I wonder if he will, like, kind of reverse course on how he was going to push these characters into the MCU based on the reaction to the movie, or is it too late? Are they already too committed? And regardless of the reaction, we're going to be seeing a lot more of these characters involved in future MCU projects. We know how this guy works. He's got this shit mapped out for the next decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think you can change your mind. Like, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been filmed yet. So I I wonder if he would let negative reaction influence where these characters are going to go in the future. We'll see. I mean, course corrected in the past. Yeah, the Spider-Man stuff proves that he's had to, like, change his shit, you know? Yeah. Well, and even Thor getting a new director. Yeah. Yeah, that's another case. I think when opportunities come along, he's willing to uh, change the course just to, uh, you know, appease a new director or, you know, the Spider-Man deal or, or whatnot. So yeah, he's not completely set with what his plans are. He's He lets kind of what the world is is experiencing direct him towards like his next step um even even if he thought he was going to go one direction he, he's willing to not go that direction and go somewhere else i wonder if chloe Zhao will even want to do more of this like i you know how toxic fandom can be and it, it yeah. feels like they're gearing up to be pretty fucking toxic yeah when this movie comes out so she might just be fucking done with this whole kind of scene yeah. To begin with after this. I mean, Sam Raimi didn't, you know, he pretty much almost retired because of the fucking Spider-Man 3 reviews. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I honestly think I would be surprised if Coogler came back and did another Black Panther after this, after this I next agree. one. I agree. I feel like he's doing, he's doing it because, you know, he's gotta, he's gotta honor Chadwick and yeah. yeah, he should be the one that kind of moves that, moves that forward, but. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Chloe Zhao was just out of here. Oh man, I, when I watched when I rewatched Infinity War and Endgame and the Chadwick Boseman scenes happened, oh, it was, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, oh my god, but uh, yeah, um, and he, hearing his voice in uh, What If was yeah pretty heart wrenching too. It was, it really was, especially that last one, knowing that that is the last one. This is the last time we're going to hear him in something new. I didn't. So he he pops up again in that series again. Yes, I never. Yeah, he's, he's I, in the last uh, couple episodes. I watched well, the, the, not the last couple, but the last one. Gotcha. I, I watched the yes. first two, and I never went back to it. I was a little. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I think I watched uh, five of them. I yeah, I was I was kind of wavering on it in, until those last two episodes, and then that clinched the whole season for me. And I was like, okay. oh, this was great. Okay. Oh, nice. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. Because um, yeah, the last two episodes, or really more the the last the second to last episode leads directly into the last episode, and the last episode ties all of it kind of together in a way. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. News from comicbook.com: Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige wants fans to slow their roll when it comes to expectations surrounding Spider-Man: No Way Home. 
The internet has been abuzz about possibly seeing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire put on the red and blue tights again, but Feige told Empire Magazine that the rumors lead to people getting their hopes inflated to unbelievable proportions. Here's what Feige had to say on the matter. Rumors are fun because many of them are true and many of them are not true. The danger is when you get into the expectations game of wanting people to be excited about the movie they get and not disappointed about the movie they don't get. Um, in some comments to Variety, Garfield echoed these statements. However, he remains steadfast that he's not in the film. I understand why people are freaking out about the concept of that because I'm a fan as well. You can't help but imagine scenes and moments of, oh my God, how fucking cool would it be if they did that? But it's important for me to say on the record that this is not something I'm aware I'm involved in, but I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone that I don't, that I don't know what's happening. No matter what I say, I'm fucked. It's either going to be, <laughs> it's, it's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. And so, yeah, um, he is, they're both, uh, well, Garfield's denying it, and Feige's just saying, "Don't get your expectations up, uh, guys. I, you're not selling me." Garfield and Tobey Maguire, in my opinion, I am ninety nine point nine percent sure that these guys are going to be showing up in Spider Man No Way Home, and I am ninety nine point nine percent sure we're going to get to see them in the second trailer. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. 99% sure they're in the movie. I'm probably on the 80% on whether or not we're going to see him in the trailer. I've kind of lowered that rating with all with Kevin Feige himself coming in and saying to lower your expectations. It kind of makes me think maybe they are going to are going to hide it a bit longer. Every leaker that I fucking trust on Reddit and on Twitter is saying we're getting them in the second trailer. So that's what I'm going off of. I'm going off of leakers that I trust saying that they are in the second trailer. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't, you know, once they have good leaks, it's easy to it's easy to keep following them. I just I don't know. Why would they at this point why are they still playing the game? I I guess to make it even more hype when that second trailer hits and we see them both. Yeah, yeah that's my big question with it too is that they they obviously don't need to keep this charade up just to drum up, you know, headlines and stuff. Oh, Kevin Feige says lower your expectations. But it, it just yeah. Why get why get why get all the actors from the other movies to play the villains if you're not going to exactly. have the two Spider-Man? It's just fucking <laughs> stupid. They are going to be in this movie. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh. And then with all the articles also saying that, that this is kind of like Tom Holland's Endgame. It's like, well, what does that mean? Are you, are, you can't seriously be saying, suggesting that he's going to be going away after this. Um, after you've spent all this time kind of setting him up in Endgame, that he's going to be one of the major players moving forward in Phase Four. I'll, I, I don't know. I, I was going to confusing. I'm going to bring up some Marvel rumors. I got another story, and tell you what, I'll, I'll get back to that one because. That question of like, is he gonna, is, is Tom Holland, are you asking if Tom, if this is his end game, he's done with the MCU after this? I mean, that's kind of like what these articles are making it sound well, like. Well, he's, anyway, he's under contract for I one. Agree. Well, he's under, you agree with what, Jake? I agree with Joe that they're like kind of alluding that that's the case, that they're putting that out. There. Yeah. 
the potential of that. I don't, yeah. I don't agree that it is the case. Yeah. But I, I agree that they are definitely pushing that agenda. We'll cover this again in Marvel rumors that I'm going to bring up here in a moment, but I do want to, uh, I guess I want to address the, we, there's really not a lot, lot to say, but Bill, Bill Murray has confirmed that he is going to appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania. <laughs> That's an exciting That's blurb. Fun. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I wonder if he'll be like playing himself in some cheeky way or like an actual MCU character. He's around, I would guess he's around the same age as Michael Douglas or they look like they're the same age. I would guess that maybe he's like a, an old colleague of his or something and they, and they need him for some reason. So that'd be fun. <laughs> it's a solid guess. It'd be fun to see him and Paul Rudd playing off each other. Yeah, he says that it's a mystery role. We don't know. And he basically said, uh, so I agreed, although I'm not interested in these huge comic book adaptations as an actor. Otherwise, let's put it this way. The director is a good guy. And now I've at least tried out what it's like to shoot a Marvel movie. But I don't think I need that experience a second time. So this is like a one and done. We're going to get to see Bill Murray in a in a Marvel movie. We don't know how or who he's playing or it's very it's like it's all shrouded in mystery as to what his character is but it's fantastic though yeah <laughs> i mean bill fucking murray right exists in the he's gonna <laughs> exist in the mcu <laughs> that's insane <laughs> so do you think he's gonna be on par with kind of like what lawrence fishburne was in the second one yeah yeah that that yeah absolutely i think that that's a possibility i'm just that's the only thing i could think of is maybe maybe hank pym is not available or something and they need like the next best thing or something and maybe he's like an old colleague or something or maybe he plays his go ahead what what if he's old paul rudd Oh yeah, shit! I had that thought too. Oh yeah. god, that would be amazing. I like that a lot more. <laughs> I guess technically we saw old old Paul Rudd in Endgame. Though, we right? did, yeah, we did. He pissed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into yeah. Bill Murray confirmed to be in Quantum Mania. That's exciting. Let's jump into actual Marvel rumors. Um, and I, I've just got like a rapid fire Marvel rumors, and then we're gonna wrap up this episode. Um, big screen leaks on Twitter said heard that Venom will be referenced in the new Morbius trailer. So there's a new Morbius trailer probably coming out pretty soon and uh the the big uh rumor here from big screen leaks on twitter is that venom is going to be referenced not seen but referenced in the new morbius trailer now remember at the end of uh the first morbius trailer uh we got michael keaton's vulture in there so venom yeah how could i forget i'm excited for a new morbius trailer because this is the trailer that's before every movie i've seen in the last like six weeks i've only seen it once oh really i yeah my amc is just playing the shit out of this morbius trailer like it's a lock if you see any movie in the peoria amc wow so yeah god bless it bring out this new trailer so i can see something different because i I am fucking (laughs) sick of the morbius trailer I don't think so. <laughs> Jake's like, can I get Lesbius of the Morbius trailer? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Morbius. I, I, I am not on the Morbius bus yet. Oh man, I, I am so ready for Morbius. I cannot <laughs> oh wait God. for Morbius. 
Oh man, it just it looks like it's more like venom cheese, and I I can't wait for it. <laughs> See, really, I feel the opposite. I feel like it's taking itself too seriously. Okay, I think it's going to be venom cheese. I hope you're right. I'm yeah. so sick of Leto. Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, makeup work they've got him on in uh, House of Gucci looks incredible, though. I mean, he looks unrecognizable. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, let's see. The leaker that I put the most stock in out of all the leakers that are out there right now um, is this. Uh, it's actually uh, My Time to Shine Hello is a female leaker. Um, I, I, through reading tweets, I've, I've figured out that My Time to sh- Shine Hello is a female. So I'm, I'm going to stop saying he or she. I'm going to start saying she. So... My Time to Shine Hello on Reddit was asked about um, what Matt Murdock is doing in the Spider-Man movie. And this is her response. Matt tells Peter that he's in the clear, but Happy might get in some legal trouble. Peter comments that Matt is a good lawyer and then somebody throws a brick at them and Matt catches it. Then he says, I'm a very good lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it sounds like it's... That's kind of stupid. He's he's blind. Yeah. (laughs) It just just seems really on the nose. Like, the audience is going to know to cheer when we see Matt Murdock. Do we need to see him do super heroics like that in front of a civilian? (laughs) Yeah. We if someone's throwing a brick, I hope I hope he would catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta commit, man. You can't let anyone find out your identity. You gotta take that brick. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> take that brick. Oh, hold up, Scott Shooty just sent me fucking pictures of him and his wife Lynn in their Halloween costumes through a text. Oh, isn't that incredible? It's amazing. The trick or treat. Oh my god. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta respond. <laughs> Dude, I'm actually recording. <laughs> recording right now. But I'm reading this text <laughs> as I record and I'm Loving your costumes and annoying my listeners. <laughs> P.S. What are you doing up past 8 p.m.? Yeah. P.S. It's 9 o'clock there. You should be in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween, bud. Exclamation point. All right, man. Oh, and Scott Schutte does um, a podcast called Fabulous Learning Nerds that our listeners should check out. So wouldn't you guys agree? It's a very informative podcast. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, uh, yeah. Scott's putting all his heart into it, too. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Join the nerds. Welcome to the fantastic world of the fabulous learning nerds. Scott Schutte 
and Daniel Coonrod and Abby Dawson are learning executives with over 50 years experience between them. Together, they share new ideas, learning tools, approaches, and technology that increase learner engagement and impact. So, yeah, if you feel like this could benefit you, and I know like this this podcast has been doing really well and he's, he's, he's gained a following. He's even had, uh, you know, uh, Paul Hart was on an episode. Um, and then, uh, to Kim Duncan from, uh, the vintage geeks has been on an episode. So if you're familiar with those guys and you want to hear them on Scott's podcast, uh, check it out. I highly recommend it, especially like if you're a teacher, um, uh, this is something that's right up your alley. Those are fucking amazing costumes too, Scott. I love Scott's passion for Halloween is just fucking amazing. Oh, he loves right? the Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he really does it up. Um, his house during Halloween, he really fucking does it up. It's it's really awesome. Um, Marvel rumors. So yeah, Matt Murdock in the movie. Jake thinks that scene is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really dumb to me. Well, I was so excited to see Matt Murdock in the MCU, and then you described that scene. Yeah. <laughs> you should catch the brick and say, I'm also a very good shortstop for the legal firm's softball team. <laughs> it's a better line. My my cosplay, my next cosplay is going to be Matt Murdock holding a brick. The <laughs> <laughs> white button down, some red sunglasses, and a brick. <laughs> A t-shirt that says, very good lawyer. Uh, a new Spider-Man No Way Home scene has leaked online. It's a small scene of someone throwing green paint on Spidey. This was described in earlier plot leaks, and apparently it's a Mysterio supporter throwing green paint on Spider-Man. I posted this today. It came out yesterday, and then some fuckwad on Twitter said, this is old news. And it was like, dude, I was in the fucking movie theater all day yesterday and didn't see this. Fuck off. And so I... One day, one day later. And one day later. And it's old, yeah, this is old news. I fucking... I blocked that little cunt. He doesn't even follow us. He just fucking had to respond. That's old... Fuck you, you little twit cunt. Jesus Christ, you little <laughs> Twitter twat. Um... <laughs> And then, well, oh, he's like, he's, oh, he said, you're a day late, and he spelled it Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, and then uh, our buddy Stephen Redgrave from uh, Dissecti Dissecting This Fiction Podcast responded with the correct your that he should be using in that sentence, and thank you, Stephen, for putting this little fucking cunt in his place with grammar. <laughs> yeah, it's not too often I... uh I like a grammar Nazi, but I appreciate it in this case. I did too, so thank you. Thank you, well, Steve. That's just one of those comments that doesn't need to be made. It's that's like, hey, everything would be just fine if you read that and just said that in your head and then just kept scrolling. But for some reason, you want to fucking put your stupid little thumb to work. Yeah. And just make a negative comment. Yeah, go fuck yourself. And it was, it, suck. it had no, and, and he don't, you don't even follow the page. That was for like the followers of our page. Like, I'm sorry I'm a day late, but I just wanted, our listeners, like, if you're excited for the Spider-Man scene, you could click play and watch it. And if you didn't, you could just scroll by it. It wasn't for you, asshat. Jesus fucking Christ. I hate the internet sometimes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, my Time to Shine uh, was asked, with the leak of Doctor Strange successfully doing the spell at the end, do you reckon this is the last 
Tom Holland MCU film to which my time to shine hello, she said no. So it sounds like he, I don't I don't think Tom's going anywhere. I don't no, think probably he's not. Isn't They're he un- pretending he could? Isn't he under contract for another big event film though? Regardless, yeah, for one more big MCU film, I believe. Yeah. Uh, apparently there was a new leaked trailer online and I saw this news from, I think it was comic book resources or it was comicbook.com or comic book resources. They, they probably both posted about it. The alleged leak, which has incomplete special effects and includes snippets of footage not shown in the official teaser appears legitimate, but has yet to be taken down by Sony. I didn't see this anyway. I found out big screen leaks kind of uh, reported on this. They said the Spider-Man No Way Home leak going around right now isn't from the second trailer. It's from an unreleased alternate cut of the first trailer. That makes sense. And then viewer Anon says that the next No Way Home trailer will release with Ghostbusters Afterlife, which comes out November 19th. I don't know if I put stock in that, but it, it could be true. I think I think we I think we're I think we're close to definitely close to a second trailer. Um, the end of November does sound about right. I, if I had to take a guess, when does the movie come out? Christmas Day, December like twenty third or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You think Eternals is too early? You don't think they're going to surprise bomb that shit before Eternals comes out next week? I don't think it's going to come out with Eternals. Okay. Yeah, I think they're going to wait. I think they're going to hold out on it a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> they're going to give it to us right after we hate Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> Soothe any hurt feelings. Yeah, yeah. Before we recorded episode 400, I talked about this to Jake, and My Time to Shine Hello was reporting on on this like over a month ago, and then Daniel RPK basically piggyback the same rumor and then um it's about Ms. Marvel and her embiggening power that she uses in the comics it's kind of like a stretchy kind of like Mr. Fantastic um power where she can like she gets bigger and it, it's it's kind of stretchy like Mr. Fantastic but they're going away from that look in her series and then also in the Marvels and it's going to look more like Green Lantern, kind of like how that power is done in, in, in the comics and in the movie. And ghost limb kind of thing. What's that? Like a ghost limb kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's able to create stuff. Yeah. But this is where it gets weird. And I told Jake this, and I think it's a it's fucked. I think it's fucking weird that she's not, she's not an inhuman like she is in the comics. She's gonna be a genie. What? Yeah. <laughs> what indeed? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, that's dumb. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it very well could be. It very well could be true. Yeah. Yeah, but the embiggening powers that, that, that were described by the, the Green Lantern, uh, that were described to be less Mr. Fantastic and more Green Lantern, that was proven with some promotional art that, that was, uh, that came out 
uh, within the last week and a half. So I'm sorry I'm reporting about this a week and a half later. <laughs> yeah, snore. Jeez, you already told me about this last week. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck what on Twitter is just like, ah, yeah, God. I just... I don't have time for that shit. Um, I didn't respond. I just blocked him. I was like, fuck this guy. Um, oh, and then finally, uh, uh, my time to shine hello. She was asked uh, about, uh, a certain villain, uh, in the Hawkeye series. Uh, is Madam Mask still appearing in Hawkeye? And, um, he, uh, she responded, excuse me. She was supposed to be Kate's mother. Now I'm not sure, but her mother is still the villain. So, um, the mother is, what's the actor's name? She's in the James Wan movies. Uh, what's her name? I don't know. If she was in Spawn, I might know. <laughs> uh, she was just in the new one. Um, the Conjuring. Who's the actress in The Conjuring? Vera Farmiga? Yeah, Vera Farmiga. She's playing uh, Kate Bishop's mother in the uh, Hawkeye series. And she could be, she might be Madam Mask. But she's definitely going to be, uh, according to My Time to Shine Hello, she is going to be a villain in the Hawkeye series. And uh, I know there's been a couple of like new TV spots that have dropped on Hawkeye, some new new trailers and stuff like that. I haven't watched them. Cause I'm Me neither. I'm, uh, and it's... And it's not to, I don't know, I just, I think I just kinda, I'm ready to, I'm just ready for the series to drop in, uh, in, in November. I'm just ready. I'm so ready for it. And oh my god, if Vincent D'Onofrio fucking shows up. Game over, man. <laughs> Neil, you sound excited, dude. I think you, I think you climax there, dude. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It was like a sneeze, you know, one sixth of an orgasm or whatever the fuck it is. Ugh. <sighs> I cannot wait. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Hawkeye. I'm really looking forward to Hawkeye. Uh, Echo and, um, Clint's new, you know, Clint, uh, Clint going deaf and, and how he's gonna, you know, be adapting to that and his relationship and taking on, uh, you know, Kate Bishop as his protege. I'm, I'm excited for fucking Lucky the Pizza Dog. I am so, ready for it and just the whole christmas theme and it's coming out at just the perfect time this just looks like it's going to be a fun action um you know tracksuit mafia i cannot wait this is yeah i'm excited to see yelena again as well yeah i'm definitely getting uh like falcon winter soldier kind of vibes from it you know where it's maybe not as impactful on the greater mcu but it's going to be a really cool like character driven uh, show where we get to see more of some underused characters. You know, you talk about like the impact on the greater MCU and you're right. This is more street level stuff, but on the flip side with the introduction, introduction of Kate Bishop and possibly seeing a young Avengers series or movie in the future, yeah. it could, I mean, like this is like what, okay. And this is like what the Eternals is not doing. It's like these characters, we're not going to get 10 individual movies of these characters. They're just throwing them all in one fucking film. But like <laughs> this though, like by the time if we get to like young Avengers, like this could, you know, this could be like her origin story and yeah. us getting to like know the character. So that way, like when we get young Avengers and like if we have like kid Loki and fucking, 
you know, uh, Ms. Marvel and some of these younger characters. Hopefully a fucking Nova. Hopefully. Yes. I mean, and I know there's that rumor from Geeks Worldwide saying that, you know, oh, they're working on a Thunderbolts project and a Nova project. I don't know if I trust Geeks Worldwide, but on the flip side, I think that those are definitely some fucking projects that could be coming through the, through the pipe later on. So. Yeah. Yeah, they just made educated guesses. This is what it feels like of to course. me. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easy ones at that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am looking forward to Hawkeye. I cannot fucking wait. When's that drop? November? Is it? Is it like right before it's Thanksgiving? It's the day before Thanksgiving, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. Because yeah. they come out on Wednesdays, and so it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. I cannot fucking wait. I just watched the new trailer. It was okay. Really? It's going to follow the, the Matt Fraction stuff, right? Yeah, it's yeah, very, loosely based on it. Very yeah. I think it's I think it's heavily inspired um, you know, by Matt Fraction, but yeah, it's it's not going to be beat for beat. No. That no, first no, trailer sent me run into the source material and it is so good. I think I read yeah. the first two or three volumes of it and it was just great. Oh god, yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. Joe, I, I went, I, you know, when I went to the, uh, when I went to the comic book shop back in 2012 and I, I asked the comic book, sh- comic book shop owner, like, what's good this week? And he said, the Hawkeye book. I was like, what? <laughs> seriously? Okay. I seriously, yeah, it took, it took him, it took him raving about it before I picked it up and, and took it home and read it because yeah, it was, it's a Hawkeye book. You know, like first issue. I mean, it starts out strong. It's the whole first volume was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty dark time for Marvel when that book came out, too. It was kind of a shining light. Like the Marvel Now stuff was kind of mostly eye rolling. And Hawkeye was one of the few like surprises to come out of that era. Uh, The Moon Knight stuff from then was pretty good, too. The I think that came a little later. The. The. Daredevil series that came out. Oh, the Mark Wade. The Mark Wade Daredevil series that came out was was phenomenal. And Joe, I know you love that too. Yeah, that was a good book. Oh my god, that was a lot of fun and really needed after just kind of how dark uh, Brew Baker and Bendis took it. Before oh that came yeah, out. oh yeah, uh, I agree a hundred percent. That Mark Wade Daredevil, that uh, that issue where he's on that fucking train and then he ends up in Latveria. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I love that issue so much. There's so many great issues. Yeah, Mark Wade's such a historian too, and he used a, like just a lot of great C list, D list villains that you had yeah. for a very long time. It, like Stilt Man? Yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Yeah, Mark Wade's so cool. And he's a, just a nice guy when I've, when I've, you know, talked to him at conventions. Just a super nice guy, and so. That is all I have, gentlemen. That is all we have this week. How was how was your four hundred experience, guys? Oh, I was great as always. This is so much I, fun. I was so drunk. I couldn't believe I wasn't hung over <laughs> the next day. <laughs> I was still drunk when I woke up the next day. <laughs> I remember most of that episode. <laughs> I remember Dan West messaged me and he was hung the fuck over and I was I was I told him I was down for the count too. I was <laughs> fucked up the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, 
I don't know how you guys do it. Oh my god, I would have. <laughs> I'd have drank that much. I'd have been done before the podcast, too. <laughs> I think I stayed up really late and drank, like, a whole Gatorade and maybe even, like, grilled myself, like, a Reuben sandwich or something like that, where I was like, I must counteract all this booze. <laughs> I like how you're like, I think I did this. I think I did. <laughs> I, I I was like, I'm going to go back to my bedroom and I'm going to watch like a little bit of Friends before I go to bed. And then I was just like, I turned the TV on and I was like, okay, this is not happening. Let's go to bed. <laughs> I just, <laughs> oh man, I just passed. I, I'm on season four, episode four of my Friends Watch and I fucking hate Ross. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, oh really? I fucking hate him, Jake. I fucking, I'm, I'm viewing him in a different lens. Like when he came out, like in the nineties, maybe people loved him and they were endeared to him, but he is such an entitled little bitch. I cannot stand yeah. Ross and he, he's so selfish and oh my God, he's, he's driving me crazy at certain parts of this fucking series. I cannot, Neil, it sounds like you hate Ross too. Oh yeah, I, I love David Schwimmer's portrayal yes. of a character that's awful. But yes, the character of Ross is terrible. It's funny, like I always had Chandler was always my favorite of, of the guys. Yeah, and now that I've watched it more as an adult, I find Joey to be pretty much like the best person out of all of them. Yeah, me Even too. Like gross and weird. Yeah, Phoebe. Like, well, I, I mean, uh, out of the guys. Um, oh, okay. Just because, like, he's always been—he's always honest with what he's doing. I mean, he's never being shady, and like the other two guys are always doing some shady ass shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Phoebe is definitely my favorite character in the whole series. She's great. I, I just watched an episode where, um, guys, if you don't if you don't care about friends, just fucking turn off the podcast. All right, <laughs> it's like, okay. You don't you don't have to stick. You don't have to bitch. Or it's, a bitch about this part. It's over. Everything that you wanted to hear, it's over. Anyway, Phoebe, there's this episode where she fucking got a cold and it changed her voice. And when she sang, yes. she's, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's sexy voice. She had the sexy, <laughs> sultry voice when she would sing. And then the cold went away and her regular singing voice came back. And the rest of the episode, she just is trying to get sick again. And so. <laughs> And so she's like, she's like leaning into people sneezing on her. <laughs> and then Monica's sick. And so she fucking like licks Monica's coffee mug or something. It was so gross. Uh, oh, but I'm, I'm, oh, it's, it's a really good show. It, it, it does hold up. There's some stuff that's super dated, but that's the charm of the nineties, I suppose. So. But I am enjoying yeah, watching Friends. Definitely some cringy moments yeah. now looking at it. But again, like with every piece of entertainment, you have to look at it through the lens of when it was made mm -hmm. and, and try and kind of just give it a little bit of slack for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you're watching a, a very special episode of a, an 80s sitcom, just know that by the end of the episode, Kimberly's not going to be bulimic anymore. You know, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, they're going to wrap it up in 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dudley will never have any repercussions from being molested by a bike shop owner. Like, it never Thank comes God. up again, you know? So, yeah. 
a terrifying episode of, of Different Strokes. And then I think like season seven or eight of Different Strokes, like I think Sam gets Sam and Kimberly get kidnapped. Or, no, no, it was Kimberly gets kidnapped, and then Sam later on in a, in, a, in another season gets kidnapped. These kids are just getting st- taken. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. That's it. I'm done. Hey, Neil, where can people find you, sir? Uh, I've been doing a Star Trek podcast called Smorgasbord with my friend Stephen Farsheed. And we've been pretty sporadic lately because of my work schedule, but we're starting to get back into it. We just recorded this morning uh, for episodes five and six of Lower Decks. And, yeah, it's moving along pretty well now. All right, maybe I should make the switch from Rick and Morty over to Lower Decks because season five, so good. season five of Rick and Morty was rough. I just finished oh, yeah. the finale, and it's been out for weeks, but I finished the finale yesterday, and finale was okay. But my God, there were this has been the worst season of Rick and Morty ever. Like I'd say that the previous seasons were just incredible, and this is. It has. It was not good, in my opinion. There were some good ones, but there was a lot more misses in this season. Sadly, I don't know. I don't know if Rick and Morty's just lost its charm for me. But like, yeah, it's just not as good. Look at that. Yeah, Lower Decks is fantastic, though. I should, uh, I should be watching it. It's, yeah, it's got How's that Prodigy, same, Neil? I haven't watched the first episode yet. Uh, Steven was saying that he had watched half of the first episode, and he really liked what he had seen so far. Um, so I'll be checking that out as soon as I can. I, I mean, because of how hectic my life has been, I haven't been keeping up even with Lower Decks. Because uh, I like to have the show pretty fresh. I don't like to go ahead when we record episodes. So I, I've still only seen the first six episodes of Season 2 of Lower Decks. So I haven't even checked out Prodigy yet. Do you do you want to you want to check out some Prodigy? <laughs> no. Fire starter. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Stupid. It's fucking terrific, though. What's up? That Fat of the Land album that Firestarter was on was fucking terrific, though. Oh, yeah, dude. I Actually, I got into Prodigy before that fucking album. I yeah, got, I, I first heard him on the Hackers soundtrack, and I was like, oh, these guys are the shit. Yeah, I picked up the, I picked up the, the album that had, uh, was it Poison? I like that song. I was like, oh, I'm into these guys. These guys are awesome. Didn't that guy die? Oh, I don't know about that. You know, the Byhawks? Yeah, I thought, I thought one of the Prodigy guys died. Kind of so. sounds familiar. Prodigy guy died. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Prodigy singer Keith Flint had unspecified amounts of cocaine, alcohol, and codeine in his system when he died. Died, oh, died at forty-nine. So that's a downer. Sorry. Cocaine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that song. That song, Poison means a lot more now. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was just wondering how well Hackers would hold up in 2021. 
Oh, it's hilarious when they talk about like that new processor and the fucking. <laughs> it's so funny to listen to them like 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 fucking talk about these computers and like what they've got, and I'm just like, holy shit, man! It's like the equivalent. <laughs> it's like the equ- equivalent now, of, like looking at like a Casio watch or something. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. That's a 500 megabyte hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. It, yeah, yeah. 14.4 modem. Yeah. Dude, that, I, I used to have the 9600 baud, now I got the 14.4. <laughs> wow. Oh, dude, slow down. The government's gonna show up at your door. I, oh my god. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, those fucking modems. We went from 2400 to 9600 and then 14.4, and it, we thought it was blazing fast at 14.4. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember those days too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You download a song in like 30 minutes, provided nobody calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god! I remember trying to look at like a, like like a um, a porn picture when I was I think I was seventeen, and I never finished the download. It was a woman with a watermelon. I don't know what she was doing with it, <laughs> and I will never know because I never got that far down. It just it was just like after I mean, you can make an educated guess. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it was like I only had like a quarter of it done after like you know thirty minutes, and I was like, "Holy shit, I can't do this! Like, this is ridiculous." Yeah. I used to print out porn on, on off the off the internet. Oh, that's smart. I did that too. <laughs> I had like a folder under the couch in my room, and then it got discovered, and I was so ashamed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the days of mental spank bank were over. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Now it's like we just got we just we just got dick and boob machines in our pockets. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of porn are you looking for? There's probably a subreddit. Yeah. Oh my god. Hey Joe, where can people find you when you're not downloading porn? <laughs> you can find me on Startcast, <laughs> a long form conversation podcast. Um, been uh, going along. I got a schedule set now, and so new episodes drop every Saturday. Uh, the episode that dropped today was with uh, June from Apple to Oranges podcast. Oh, awesome! Awesome. Yeah, I had a great time talking with June. I've just, um, I've got, I've got a few. I've probably got maybe an hour left of the uh, Cova episode which has been fantastic oh, so much fun talking with both steve and kova and i was telling them both i'm like i need to have you guys both on at the same time now because the back and forth between you guys is so much fun well i i, I did listen to the steve one but the the kova one when he's talking about uh his grandfather i was just like holy shit oh, right <laughs> some <sighs> of those stories were wild oh my god yes <laughs> so definitely oh, speaking ju- of wild stories did you know june followed fish around for a while what? And that's all. Awesome. I know, right? That, when she told me that, I was like, "No fucking way!" <laughs> yeah, so fun stories there. I, I learned all sorts of stuff about people. Yeah, I had a I had a friend, uh, kind of a friend. I knew him. I was more friends with his brother, but his uh, anyway, his sister met um, uh, one of the guys from the Bloodhound Gang, and then fucking they started dating, and she just went on tour with him for a long time. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I also knew a girl. I used to work with a girl that started, uh, when he came to town, she went to the show 
and he got her number and they and he she started I worked with a girl that dated Carrot Top. How hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he flew her down to Florida and he this was back because he lived in Florida. I think he lived in Orlando and he lived right next door at the time. This is what she says. So if this, if you can fact check this and it's bullshit, this is what she told me. But he lived right next door to Britney Spears at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, and she, we would always, every time she brought up dating Carrot Top, she would always have to justify his looks with us. And we're like, Whatever. You don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Whatever you're into. If you like, if you She's like, into props. If you like prop comics that do steroids, then, you know, that's your guy. If you, you know, and he kind of looks like, uh, Alfred E. Newman. There you go. That's it. That's your type. We get it. You don't have to defend him with us. It's fine. <laughs> Alfred E. Newman on steroids that does prop comic. Yeah. It's, yeah, whatever. That's what you're yeah, into. Each their own. Teach their own. Nobody's judging. And then when she'd walk away, we'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's oh dating him. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe, I've been enjoying the StartCast episodes. So thank you for posting those. I've really – seriously, it's like those three thank hours you. Those three hours go by really quick. I, I, and I love the fact that it's it, – that we get to spend a lot of time with you talking uh, to different people and, and, and their stories are fascinating. And it's really gotten me through the past few weeks, StartCast, because um, I had been listening to a podcast. I was on a third re-listen of a podcast I loved and, and uh, it ended again. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I? And so I started listening to Startcast, and it's really gotten me through. So I appreciate all the hard work and uh, all the all the guests that you have on are very entertaining. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you so much, dude. And yeah, right now I've got guests scheduled all the way up until I think I'm into February now. Oh shit! So I'm in it deep. <laughs> People <laughs> scheduled every Friday. <laughs> Guys, don't down. don't forget to go to what's it McPhee dot com and order your Santa. Fifteen ninety five. Fifteen. It's a fucking steal. It's <laughs> <laughs> who does who doesn't want that hanging on their tree when their when their when their child comes out in the morning? So, um, Jews. <laughs> I think even I think even I think even Jews could could appreciate a Santor. I don't know, Jay. Yeah, maybe. maybe. It's, it's pretty fantastic. It is. It is. It's a glory. It's a. It's a. It's a marvel. It's a mar- I don't know. I might enjoy Santor more than the new Eternals movie. Yeah, so it's it's looking to be that's possible. <laughs> all right guys just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags thank you for your patronage thanks for listening and we'll see you next week with the eternals review see ya later y'all thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations i don't know how you did it i couldn't do it you people need a t-shirt saying i just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. 
already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hate erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.